Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South Podcast. He is Chris Mollett. I am Kyle Guerra. Willie Taggart. Florida State decided to do something. See what I did there? I did, yeah. That was good. You, even he's, he's gone and you still, you still hate him. It was the worst marketing pitch I've ever seen. He was the doing do the something thing? Yeah, the do something was. Remember when Ohio State so did bad. the silence, silence the noise last oh, year? Oh, that was bad. That was pretty bad. Was pretty yeah, bad. except that was just like a one-time deal, and then they kind of punted. Yeah, on Florida it. State social media was not great. Oh. Not great. I was surprised they fired him, but I don't know. Yeah, it's it caught me off shameless. guard, but the timing of it, I, I get it. Um, it was it's been a really interesting week. That happened basically. Oh, what, what was it, like an hour after we stopped recording? Yeah. Of course, like everything always happens Shocking. when we record twice a week. But, yeah, the, the names that have already surfaced for it, some of the fake searches and stuff like that, the fake Dude. accounts that are tweeting stuff out, I'm here for it. You know what? I love it because it means we have a month of this. They're not going to yeah. name a head coach in the next two weeks. This is going to continue tracker. to last. Or flight oh. tracker. My favorite was, so Jay Woody brought this up too. It was really funny. He was like, he loves like coaching searches because they go through these like phases and site or like you know where it's like here's your first phase where every everyone's available, everybody like, any any name you throw out there there's some like possibility you can get them. Bear Bryant. Like, I thought that was just Tennessee. Yeah, Bear Bryant, Tom Landry. Um, I thought that was just Tennessee, like with Gruden and everything like that. No, Florida State's going to get Bob Stoops. Um, yep. so yeah. Anyway, but that's a uh, that it'll be interesting to see who they get, but. That, that program should never be this far down. And also, we'll get into this later, but why in the hell are they a two-point underdog? That's On the road. Yeah, That's it is, Connor. It Makes is. Makes you wonder. Makes you wonder. We're, we're going to get into a lot of stuff on this pod. Of course, it's, it's LSU and Bama week. We have a lot that we're going to get to with that. Bama we're, LSU we're, week. Don't do, don't do the Florida Georgia thing because then I, I second guess myself every time I say it and it's annoying and I'm not trying to offend anybody. I say the road team and then I say the home team and I realize with a neutral site it's different. I say it by alphabetical order. I'm in That's your how head the, already. This is going to be a good episode. You are in my head. I hate it. I hate it. We recorded a great interview with our buddy Jacob Hester. He had a lot of great insight on this matchup and talked some big picture stuff with LSU that I thought was really interesting. Talked Joe Brady a little bit as well. Somebody yeah. who I think is going to become just a, such a household name if he hasn't already in college football. Going to have picks. We've got some locks of the week. Connor needs a little bit of redemption because it's Do you hear this? rough. That's you papers. Hear this noise? Paper you know why, Connor? I'm Uncle worried Chris you overprepared. We're finally, we're finally moved, moved in, like not completely, but I was able to finally get, get back to the old ways. Do a lot of research. Oh boy, it's gonna that be. That means a good we're one. gonna have. So bear with us. We're gonna have shuffling paper constantly because yeah. Mar- Marler is a bad millennial. He can't do. His what research what you're gonna have is just a lot of stats and facts to get you prepped for the weekend. You're gonna make money. Hopefully, you're gonna, yeah. you're gonna use paper to make paper. That's what I always there say. You go. Let's get big mad about the rankings, too. Playoff rankings came out last night. We're going to have a lot of discussion about that. Um, Some stuff that, like I said I was going to do, I want to look for these trends, these tendencies, the things that the selection committee is trying to say with these first rankings, how we as fans should be trying to interpret this moving forward, what this all means, all of that stuff. Before we get to everything that we have on tap today, i got to tell you about our good old friends at Sweet Hop. So, with Georgia's big win in Jacksonville this weekend and a huge matchup in Tuscaloosa this weekend, in case you haven't heard, it's pretty big, we're getting close to knowing whose team will be represented at this year's SEC Championship game in Atlanta. We all know that this game is always a tough ticket, and that's why we're letting you all know 
y'all. They have you all in the ad copy, but it's y'all. Oh, uh, we're letting y'all know about it. Uh, about a great opportunity to hook your group up with a luxury suite at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, all thanks to our friends at Sweet Hop. Sweet Hop works with the companies that own the suites on long-term contracts to make them available to SEC fans like you for the big game. The currently available suites comfortably hold groups of 18 to 30 and give you a chance to watch the game in style, VIP parking, extra wide seats, TVs for replays, your own dedicated food and beverage, and no lines for the bathroom. Bottom line, the sweet life is the way to go for the championship game. But you know, did you know that Sweet Hop can hook you up with suites and seats in shared suites at other events too, from Ooh. concerts and pro sports to Supercross and family events, Sweet Hop can upgrade your event experience all across North America. Never any hidden fees and amazing personalized customer service will make you want to start Sweet Hopping, see what they did there, for all of your events from now on. Saturday Down South listeners can take $500. $500. Dollars. $500. That's like a mortgage payment, I think, maybe. I don't not. know, you're the homeowner. <laughs> so they can take $500 off of any SEC championship purchase by using promo code SDS. Just head to sweethop.com. That's sweethop.com and use the code SDS for $500 off any SEC championship suite booking. That's a lot of money, my friend. Dude, so, and like all ad reads aside, I will tell you right now, if you've never been in a suite for a game, especially a big game like this, it's awesome. We joke around about the game where I sold my car in college to go to the SEC championship game, which at the time seemed like a fine decision because I knew all I needed was a ticket to get in. One versus two, Florida, Bama, Tebow versus the team that ended up winning the national championship. I was like, I just need a ticket to get in and I can get into a suite because my friend had a suite. It was awesome. It was incredible. So you should, I mean, and also guys, Christmas is coming up. So that's mm, that's the go. angle. That's the play. We're going to be at a suite this weekend. That's right. We're going to be at the Georgia game. We're going to be at a suite with our, our guy, Candler Cook. Going to be a lot of fun. We've had a lot of people who have reached out and been like, why aren't you guys going to be at Bama LSU? And I've yes. said repeatedly to those who have listened, we're kind of like CBS in a way in that we we made this plan these plans a long time ago back in I think late no, July or I August. do not start saying we. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be. On board I made with these this. plans. I made these plans with Candler Cook. Don't worry, Marler. Nobody's gonna accuse you of doing this. I made these plans because he reached out to us. Yeah, and said, I'm excited. Hey. He said, "Look, we got a week. Anytime you guys want to come up for a Georgia game, except the Notre Dame game, let me know. I've got sweet tickets. We're like, boom, let's make it happen." We've had a lot of stuff going on this year, a lot of different things that we wanted to put in place with our travel schedule. Georgia's only got a limited amount of home games, so we decided, all right, we'll do this weekend. And the, the, you know, the good news of doing this weekend is, you know, we're, we'll be in a suite, so we're going to be yeah. able to watch the game as well. They're, they got TVs in there, they got TVs at the tailgates and stuff that we're going to be at. As to why we're not going to be at Bama and LSU, this was this was planned way ahead in advance. So we're super excited to be able to go do this. It just happened to work out like this. CBS got yeah. kind of caught with its pants down because it didn't realize that it was going to be a one versus two game. And now everybody's saying, why in the world is this game an afternoon game? Right. But the good well, news is I just want everyone to, to know that I we are. And it's going to be an awesome experience. We got field passes, which is cool. I've never been able to do that Maybe um, legally. But uh, I just want everyone to know if I got one prediction right, it was this prediction. I said oh, this yes, in the summer. Did. I said it from the get-go, and you you gave me like a logical pushback. You were like, we don't need to miss good opportunities and fun stuff that are like awesome, really, really like 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 an awesome hookup. Candler's like, this is really, really going to oh, be cool. We're, we're very fired up for this. Yeah. This is going to be awesome. 
And I love Athens, but I, I was like, you know, I guarantee you it's going to, I didn't know it was going to be one versus two. I didn't know that was going to happen. But two I, versus I, three, but we'll get to that As soon as you started hearing about Notre Dame and Georgia, I was like, oh my God, it's going to be a 3.30 game. You look at the slate and it's like, and Mizzou, Georgia's going to be a night game. This is my nightmare. So when the dynasty ends this weekend, it, I'll be That's in Athens, Georgia. At least it's not during it. That's, That's the true. good news. That's the good news. Our guy Candler has hooked you up. I've reached out multiple times. He's like, we're, don't worry, we're going to make sure that Marler can can watch this. Yes, yeah, he's been super awesome it. about that. It's been fantastic. So it's been billed as one versus two, but as we found out on Tuesday night, Bama and LSU are not one and two. LSU is number two. Bama is number three. The playoff rankings were different than what we predicted on this here podcast. I think everybody watching it was sort of surprised to see that Ohio State was at number one, LSU at number two, Bama number three, Penn State at number four, and Clemson at number five. I think all over the place, one through five was was surprising, surprising to say the least. So I I didn't think it was undeserved, but I because remember we brought this up before. I kept saying how when I saw Clemson at five, I was like, oh my god. They're going to actually do it. Stunning. They're going to actually do it. Because it was like, one and two seemed like a no-brainer to me. And I, I didn't, you knew it was going to be LSU, Ohio State. I assumed, like, I think most people did I didn't know. I, t- I tried. I was wrong. I was dead wrong. I said, this is why Ohio State's going to be ranked behind Alabama. Oh, and I yeah. thought Alabama was still going to be two because of the non-conference thing. Because True. the selection committee was going to say, you did not play a Power 5 team in non-conference play. We are not going to reward you despite right. the fact that you have been so dominant. But the selection committee was like, you know what? You you guys have been so unbelievably dominant. Well, it's in the two and, ranked or two ranked teams they beat, and it's the dominant wins against two teams that are currently right. in the top twenty five. So let's let's peel this back because I think there are a lot of LSU fans who watched Tuesday night and they were in an uproar because they're yeah. thinking to themselves, "We went on the road, we played Texas and beat a top ten Texas team who was top ten at the time. They are now unranked." And meanwhile, all Ohio State did was host Cincinnati. That was their big non conference game. And LSU fans who are saying that. I agree with you. I think it's I think it's a little bit ridiculous that the selection committee is valuing that win against Cincinnati that Ohio State had more than what LSU did to go on the road in that atmosphere in Austin, despite the fact that Texas has struggled as of late, right. and to say, essentially, that win looks better for Ohio State because Cincinnati is now in the top 25 and Texas is not. That was the, the problem that I had, but... Ohio State has still been so dominant and dominant against Power 5 teams where they haven't had any close games. They, they Even yeah. top 25 teams like Wisconsin, you know, they have just killed everybody. So I get why they, they the decided to make, especially in the first half, as you love more than your future firstborn child, the first <laughs> half money line with Ohio State or whatever the line is. So that's why they, they ultimately made that decision. So so I don't know if that's... it was. I was very surprised they didn't have LSU first because LSU's done everything that... You know they could have been asked to do, Everything. like and, and I so I I agree with Texas. Like I, Texas is not a good football team. That secondary, we've talked about it for most of the season. I, I said a couple weeks ago, I was like that that win on the road is it that impressive now when you look at it? I still think it's impressive because you're going on the road and and regardless of how good Texas is now, they were a top ten team. LSU did what they were asked to do. They didn't they didn't schedule cupcakes. Like to be fair, Ohio State's strength of schedule is is higher than LSU's by a significant amount. They're 20th. It's, it's the highest out of anybody in the top, I believe, top 10. Um, it's 20th in the country. So that was impressive. I was just surprised at how quickly and adamantly the selection committee dismissed Texas. Even when they brought up LSU, they go, we definitely exactly. took into account their wins against Auburn and Florida, which I thought was such a definitive statement and such a bold statement. Um, you know, And I, I didn't necessarily disagree with it. And again, if we're just looking at the numbers and the stats, 
I get Ohio State having the two ranked wins. Take away Cincinnati. The win against Wisconsin was really impressive. Um, and the strength of schedule is there. I was surprised that he went so quickly into talking about Chase Young. The Chase Young Heisman campaign that was, is, getting, is getting some serious momentum. And you know what? To Ohio State's credit, we've talked about this a lot. We were saying this in, what, week four? That Ohio State looked like the most complete team in the yeah. country. And so there are people who are trying to say, well, is the selection committee going based on eye test all of a sudden? Are oh, they just trying to say it. that? And I didn't really think that that was the case. Shout out uh, fellow former, um, she's an Indiana grad as well. But we'll She, get her she the took the Twitter to, again, call out Bama, which like I thought deserved the least amount of attention last night. Not that they were, like, no, deserved was, a three spot, but it was like the least amount of attention, that like the least amount of debate. Here's here's the issue that the inconsistency that I saw with the with the selection committee deciding that Ohio State, despite the fact that it did not have a Power Five team in non-conference play, with giving them that kind of love, Minnesota for the last month, I know that they haven't played anybody yet. They have zero wins against current Power Five teams with winning records. Same Their strength with Alabama, of schedule is same with Clemson. Eighty-first, not good, not good at uh, all. I'm, I'm sorry. Their average opponent rank. Is is eighty first? They put Minnesota at seventeen as yes. an undefeated team with six two lost teams ahead of Minnesota. And Minnesota's got a super backloaded schedule. It's not ultimately going to matter for them. They're going to have to win out to make the field anyways. And they have all these great matchups coming up starting this weekend against Penn State. But the selection committee uses that logic for non conference play to say, "Hey, look, just because Cincinnati has turned out a little bit better than we thought." That matters more than you know games like LSU going on the road against Texas. And actually, Minnesota at least went out on the road against Fresno State and had to travel across the country for that game. Uh, a Fresno State team that has not been terrible per se, but right. I, I just I thought that was there was some inconsistency there with how they were judging non-conference play. I mean, I'm not going to go to bat for Minnesota on this podcast. No, nor and nor am I. I, nor I, I think the, the thing for me is. Their schedules, their strength of schedule is 82nd in the uh, in the country. Again, their average opponent rank is they've been 80. Their average opponent rank has been 81st, which that ranks 100th. Does that make sense? Can I explain that correctly. That, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, sure. So like, I, that's not impressive. But see, what's difficult about about teams like this, like this is why they don't have as much staying power, and they're kind of like a flash in the pan. And I don't know how PJ Flex is going to do at Minnesota. Um, or why we're still talking about it, but regardless, seven-year contract. Yeah, but it's hard for it, it's hard for Minnesota to justify being like, let's go out and schedule Alabama, LSU, Clemson, so we can impress the selection committee, and then you know, so once they're trying to rebuild these programs and they're playing San, uh, South Dakota State at the start of the year and struggling, like it's it's hard it's hard to justify really going to to like try to like strengthen your schedule, especially when you look at what LSU did and it backfired. So I thought that. Watching this, there were a couple of takeaways for LSU and for Ohio State as the number two and number one teams, respectively. I think that the one loss, the one loss narrative, what we've seen from the selection committee, it lends itself to them having that path more obviously than it does Bama and Clemson at this point, which is a little bit surprising in that regard. At least we didn't think that necessarily a couple weeks ago. Totally deserving. We, we kind of thought a couple weeks ago that that maybe, you know, not necessarily Clemson, but we we definitely thought that Bama was going to have a path to go 11-1 and one and still make the playoff. Right. After seeing them at number three, I am less of a, of a believer in that Well, and, and how they judge their resume. And it has nothing to do with the ranking, in my opinion. Like, And there's that whole thing, like anybody that, like all teams that started at ranked number three in like the first 
playoff ranking. They've never made the playoff and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, all of that aside, like that doesn't matter. Like what it, the Bama strength of schedule is terrible. It, it's absolutely terrible this year, and so is Clemson's. So there's really nothing they can do about it. And like they've dominated their schedule, but yep. uh, you know they, there's not there's not a, a, another leg to stand on. And I've said this for a while now. And like we we make the the bowl projections every week for SDS, and I hate doing it because it's like. Every, everywhere I look, it's like everyone has Bama and LSU in. And the path to that happening only involves Bama beating LSU and then also having to beat uh, Georgia. And and probably Utah beating Oregon. Because if Oregon wins out, Oregon's yep. getting yep. into the playoff. I don't know I, I don't know why this is so hard to understand. But like No, you're right. If the SEC champion is gonna get in, I don't think a Big Twelve champion is gonna get in unless Baylor somehow goes undefeated. And then let's, let's see here. Uh the Big Ten champion is gonna get in because this year I think the Big Ten my, honestly, top to bottom might be a stronger conference than the SEC. Just we're going to clip it, that real quick. We'll we're just looking at, at sheer rankings of it. Like the, the top part of it, no, absolutely not. The top part of the SEC is, is most dominant in, in all of college football. I but agree. when you look at, like, again, look at Oregon's schedule. You look at what they did in the first game of the season. It's hard. I don't understand why it's, it's so difficult for people to argue uh, or want to make an argument in, in favor of Oregon. Bama's schedule so, is going gonna, is gonna to cost them bottom line. Reese Davis said that he thinks, based on what he saw last night, if Bama loses against LSU, it's over. It's over. Mm -hmm. And that can be true regardless of if Tua gets hurt in this game. But just based on the way, and obviously these things will play itself out, and we don't know that definitively. But I agree more with that after what we saw last night. The selection committee also said, I found this interesting because this stuff changes on a week-to-week basis. It really does. And, you know, I take this with a grain of salt. Say that again. It sucks that it, it, like it, they changed that. Oh, I th- that's not what basis. I thought you said. Never mind. Oh. Never mind. Um, so the selection committee said that uh, that Bama just looked better than Penn State and Clemson, and that's how it justified the fact that Penn State has more quality wins than Alabama at this point, and Penn State obviously has more quality wins than than Clemson as well. But to just say that Bama has looked better is probably their way of saying that their margin of victory they haven't had the, those close wins yet whereas Penn State had a close win against Pitt and yeah an know, unranked team an unranked team exactly it, Bama has had the, a game like that they put the, well so but what bothers me about this is and, and this is this a lot of what we're going to talk about today is me um like I don't think I don't think people have given Bama the benefit of the doubt, or like I don't think they really deserved it with the schedule, we, like we talked about. But I said this last time on the Facebook Live, and I think it's really, really true. The moment that Bama struggled in the first quarter against Duke, and the moment they struggled against South Carolina in the first quarter, everyone immediately made that as like this team's not as good. They gave up this many yards. They did this. Don't look at the the total like margin of victory, which is second in the country. They have been dominant. Like I, I, when they put Penn State and Clemson up side by side. Right, and now Clemson has won their last four games by 163 total points. That's ridiculous. But when they put Penn State, who has two wins against ranked teams, and then Clemson, who has their second win uh, in comparison to UNC. I, Whoa! But Clemson, I don't know if you saw the graphic. All the teams that they've played at yeah. the time have been 500 or better. So that's and they it. also have the most Remember wins against power, five, uh, against power five schools. Oh, well, I, so. but like they're they're at but some point. One. I'm I was actually happy that the selection committee like said this about Bama because. I feel like there's so many people, as like and Heather Dennis, I saw she tweeted about it. There's so many people that are so over the Bama like di- dynasty or the Bama run they've had in the past ten years that you're looking for every single little. It's honestly, it's like how I am with Clemson this year, but it's that's how it is with Bama from an entire national media every single year because they think they get 
all the calls, and they get the benefit out of it. You know, listen, they backdoored their way into the playoff. They won the national championship. They won the national championship. They've been to heel, six of the past heel. nine. No, it's, it's, like, it's just ridiculous <laughs> because I feel like people are so quick to try and, like, just chip away at, at I guess, like, great looking for flaws instead of, like, looking for reasons why they are a good team. I've, I've said over and over again, I thought Penn State should be ahead of Bama. I thought Ohio State. Ohio State has the 20th ranked strength of schedule in the country. They've been the most complete team in the country. I, I can be objective and say that as a Bama fan. How come people can't look at Bama and be like, you know what? They're pretty good. Pretty good team. Shoot a loss to Tennessee. Good pretty good team. Pretty good team still. Clemson at number five was perhaps the loudest message Beautiful. that I thought that, that the selection committee sent. And it confirmed what we've been saying all year. The ACC blows chunks this it's year. Awful. Let's just admit it. Sorry, Dabo. Sorry if that gets you riled up and you got to tell your team that you're getting disrespected in I, Clemson. I, oh, poor old Clemson. Little old Clemson can't get anything. Your conference is is hurting you. That's it's yeah. as simple as that. And when you have a close game, whereas Bama hasn't had that close game, Ohio State hasn't had that close game, LSU hasn't had that close game against a team like UNC. Yeah, you're going to be dinged for it. That's the reality of this. Business. And it doesn't That's the matter. Way that we judge teams. It doesn't matter. See, like I, I, I said this yesterday on, on Twitter. Like it, it bothers. Like Dabo is like a message board version of himself when he gets like these whole things. Like where he's trying to use him as motivation. It's ridiculous because because I think it's not for motivation. It's not like he really is that petty. He really is that petty. And when he's, he complains about his schedule petty. and he brings up Bama, it's like hearing him talk about like, well, you know, we're oh, not getting any respect in the national media, especially when you're looking at the four teams ahead of him, where literally they have to play two. All four of those teams have to play each other. So the path for Clemson is clear. There's no team in the country that has a more like concrete, clear path to the to the, the playoff than them. They are getting in no matter what. So there's no reason to complain about it. Hearing him complain about like them getting disrespected is like hearing somebody in the one percent complaining about like their taxes being too high. Like, I, dude, you're still a billionaire. Shut up. You got to slide in the locker room. Clemson doesn't have a loss to give. It's it's pretty no. simple. They only have one. They lose. don't have any wins. They don't have any wins against a current top twenty-five team. Their only matchup against a team that is ranked in the current top twenty-five is against number nineteen Wake Forest. Even if they get to the ACC championship, there's a decent chance that the Coastal winner's not going to be ranked. No, without That's a doubt. how bad the ACC is this year. It's yeah. terrible. It's, and it, it's, so there's Absolutely no team. Awful. I think that like it, it sets up perfectly for Clemson. So it does well for them to run the table and make it in that way. They would still obviously have that path. I'm over here. I just won the damn lottery. Now I got to pay taxes on them. Man, this is the worst. Let's let's get out of anybody who's still trying to argue that a power five, an undefeated power five champion, is getting left out of the playoff. Yeah. Just just go take a walk. Yeah. Just just go take a walk. You need to find another sport. Georgia at number six made sense to me, and it was for the reasons that I said on Sunday that I thought that the quality wins was going to matter more than the the how bad the loss was. That's not the yeah, way that everybody right. always judges this. They they I understand that you have to look at that. It is a part of this, but when you have two wins against team, and they said this afterwards, Georgia's got two wins against teams that are not just in the top twenty-five, right. but in the top fifteen. Oregon doesn't have a single win against a current top 25 team. That matters. Yeah. Georgia has looked better as of late. Well, they looked good against Florida over the, this past weekend. Got, in my opinion, what was their most impressive win of the year. That mattered to the selection committee as well. Does it ultimately matter for Georgia and Oregon in the long run? No, because in my opinion, if both of those teams run the table, both of them will get in. Yeah, and they will exactly. have really good opportunities they each, for quality I think, wins well, the stretch. Oregon might not control their own destiny as much. Because there could be a situation or a scenario when, like, Say Bama gets in, they beat LSU, they beat Auburn, and then they lose in like a close game to, to UGA. I could see Bama getting in over Oregon in that scenario. But 
like it, I don't I don't disagree with Georgia being ahead of Oregon by like necessarily. I, I I know I've been like you know beating that drum for Oregon for like the past couple of weeks, but you're a duck now. Absolutely not. But I'm saying the, I'm, I'm just <laughs> saying at the end of the season, if this still holds true and they're twelve and one, which I think they're going to be, like just don't be shocked when it happens. That's all. Yeah. First ranking show, it's got us fired up. It gets everybody fired up. That's okay though. That, that like people are saying, oh, this is the dumbest thing ever. You know what? It's it's good to break down some resumes and get way too irrationally mad about stuff. We talk yeah. about what can you do in the middle of the week to pass the time. We talked about that. Somebody tweeted about I can't remember who it was that tweeted us about that, about what you do to just sort of get over. Oh, it. Brett Myers. I said, yeah, Brett Myers tweeted about that. I said, you know, I've got my hobbies, stuff like that. I've also got this ranking show where I can just get mad at people online I, and people can get in stuff back and forth. It's fun. Dude, I tell you what, I was pretty pissed when, like, so Monday night we're getting ready for the Facebook Live, and I was like, you know what? I just realized, and we did this last year, we should do the Facebook Live right on, or from Tuesdays from now on, right after the rankings show like, airs. And you guys fired up? And yep. it, like, I put it on Twitter, and it was like 97% of the vote was like, yes, that is that makes way more sense. I was like, all right, that sounds good. Had no idea it was supposed to start at 9.30. That was oh, Marler. Why have you gotten this wrong twice? You why would it start at nine thirty originally? Because they were doing they they they've been promoting that all week because they do it in between the basketball games. They have their big their big showdown, the one versus two, three versus four games to start the year. Yeah, they do. I, right, I didn't. That's okay. Them. Anyway, we're gonna get right next week. Next week's seven o'clock. Thank God. Pretty standard the rest of the way. I gotta get supper Tuesday at four o'clock, and week. I gotta get ready for bed. Yeah. All right, week. Or no, we're not going to talk Week 11 picks and over-unders just yet. We're going to talk a little bit Bama LSU. We want to get a couple of things out there because, yes, we talked about a lot with Hester. We're going to make our picks and all that. But a couple of things that, of LSU that I want to... Shots we, fired. We Let's get Bama into it. Stuff. We talk some Bama stuff. Let's still call it the game of the century, even though it's not one versus two. I was so on board the conspiracy theory that some had that Bama and LSU did not get one and two rankings from the ESPN show because this game is on CBS and mm-hmm. they wanted to just have CBS run run two versus three instead of one versus right. two. I, that, not an actual reason, but I'm, I'm here for that. I, I love conspiracy theories. We believe, as of right now, that Tua will be close to 100%. Amazing. I feel like I've said that sentence about eight different times yeah. on this podcast. He looked good in the very he's brief video out. that I saw of him on practice. He's going the to The question play. is not if he's going to play. It's how long he lasts in the game. Yes, even though Saban continues to say he's a game-time decision, all that. It's how many times will he go to the medical tent? That would have been a really good over-under to do. We can still do it. Okay, let's just do it right now. How many times is Tua going to go to the medical tent in this game? Over-under is one. Yeah, he's gonna. it'll be a push. It's going to happen. It'll be a push. Okay. When's it going to happen, maybe? That's that's probably the <laughs> that's, better question. That's the nightmare. I don't how many, know. How many minutes into this game? Depending on how Over many room. minutes I am into my day and just like where my psyche is and confidence level, it's I'm either we're going to win this game or I'm the dynasty ends on Saturday. And the passing, it's, it's, this is, this week, I've said this since we started the podcast. I've been saying this for years, even when I had like my own like crappy little blog. I hate Bama LSU so much. Like I love it. And I actually am looking forward to this one. But this is the least fun game of it. the year every single year for Bama fans. Because usually it's it's the it, it's it's like looking in the mirror, like in, in the past. And somehow now it is again with like the offenses being so great. And so this used to be like a three and a half hour panic attack. I I, I always said there was a, a line from a, a rap song, Connor, you've probably heard it before, Duffel Bag Boy, that always stood out to me. He said, call me what you want, don't call me for front. That's exactly what I think about in this game every single year because like there's no fake it till you make it in this game. Like even when it was like a Smash Mouth football game, it's you're gonna line up. You have the two best teams, most talented teams. I think in the 
possibly in the country, year in and year out. God, I hate this game. See, you think of that, and I think of this uh, different rap lyric for this game oh, as it God. relates to the LSU offense. Started from the bottom, now we hear. Shout That's out fair. Drake. Yeah. We know he listens. LSU offense, as we expect, going to be going to be at looking close to full strength in this game. We've talked about the Michael Divinity injury on the other side of the ball, but we expect the LSU offense to have all of their weapons in this game. And I, I think that getting to see how they come out early and do they look like themselves or does this look like, oh man, it's another year of the streak. I think those first two series are going to be so interesting to see how confident is this LSU offense? Are they taking the shots downfield or are they deciding, you know what, we're going to try and let the run set up the pass? Are they going to get a little bit more not, conservative? Yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see how, how this game is called from that perspective because I expect Bama to want to shut down the pass. And if they'll, they'll give them you know the four or five yard gains on the ground, but they don't want to allow those big plays, obviously. That's, that's what I think. Because th- as weird as that sounds, that's how you have to defend LSU these days. That's what Auburn did. I mean, yeah, again, I think Auburn and Auburn's defense is totally different than Bama's. I, I, I just, so we're, the concerns I would have for, for Bama in this game is, I think this game is won and lost in special teams. Obviously, I know it goes without saying because Bama's special teams are the worst. Um, but when you look into it, it's even worse than expected. It's even worse than expected. Like, like stuff like punt returns. Jalen Waddle leads the country in uh, yards per punt return, like over 21 yards per return. Uh, LSU is third in the country. They've only allowed five total punt returns this whole season. Real quick, sorry to interrupt, but I just thought of this. If we get into a situation where it's, let's say, let's say LSU's up 31-30, Bama's got a chance for a game-winning field goal. I'm gonna. <sighs> I need to be. I need to go Facebook Live. No, right? you don't. No, point, listen. You yeah. need to. You need to. You, listen, you need to support me this weekend is what you need to do because I'm already I'm, not... I'm supporting you, but okay. I think our listeners need to get a little peel behind the onion. I can tell you right now... like in these moments. If you Facebook Live me and we miss that field goal, which they will, <laughs> I will punch you in the face. I'm going to be so pissed. But anyway, like, everyone knows about like the struggles with Bama. It's like, it's not just the special team stuff. It's it's field position from the special teams. And so Bama is last in the SEC in, in percentage uh, for touchbacks on kickoffs. LSU leads the SEC in in average kickoff returns, um, or average yards per kickoff return. Bama is like 126 in the country in average yards per punt. It's things like that. The the mental toughness of how Tua and the rest of this team is going to be if they get down early. Because if they get down to two scores, like that that is a concern. What what are you itching at? I, I, I'm just getting started. I'm saying the the person who wins the touchback battle is going to win this game. That's what Connor, I'm saying for the last. Listen, this it's a field position thing. First off. Um, I'm sorry that I went deep into looking at the stats and not just that talking about the LSU deep. offense that we all. Yeah, we're breaking down the game. Um, yeah, I, I'm. I, yeah, I did my job. I'm sorry. I'll keep going. Anyway, this game is going to be one and lost on first and third down. Everyone talks about how great LSU's offense is all the time. I don't think enough credit's been given to Bama's secondary. The Pro Football Focus did a, a uh, like a report, I guess, this week. It's the number one ranked coverage unit in the country. Uh, they have the top. I guess duo for cornerbacks um, with Patrick Chetain and uh, what? Well, I'm going to blank. Trayvon Diggs. Trayvon Diggs. They're ranked third and fourth nationally. Derek Singer is actually ranked second nationally overall, like for his, <laughs> his grade. You know, All American freshman. It's ridiculous. But that secondary is really, really good. Joe Burrow, where they've had most of their success is they don't ever get behind the chains. We talk about how great Joe Burrow is under pressure and is, mm-hmm. leads the, the country in, in completion percentage, all that stuff. He's thrown for. 1,893 yards on first downs this year. On f- 67% of his total passing yards of the season have come on first down. He leads the FBS in 
in first down, either, uh, what is it? Uh, passes over 15 yards more and touchdowns. I think the touchdown to Justin Jefferson in the Texas game was their first third down of the game. It felt like it. Yeah. With how well they moved the ball because of how how many yards they're able to get on first and second. Right. That's huge. And it, no, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. So having that, like that being said, Bama matches up really well with that, with their, with their, like their secondary. Um, I don't, I don't think if LSU comes out and tries to run the football, I don't think they're going to come run the football to set up the pass. They could, and that could still, maybe there's a, a path to victory if they do that. Both of these teams are going to have to throw the football to win. Absolutely. And it's going to be oh, one on first so, down. And the, the adverse side of that, we talk about, again, how great Joe Burrow is. In the same way, LSU's secondary, especially on first downs, they're ranked ninth in the SEC uh, in, what do you call it, in, uh, in first downs allowed, in yards for um, completion. And Tua is, obviously, Tua's going to do what Tua does. If he's got to go against Derek Stingley. Oh, well, you know what? Real quick. I, I meant to ask you this earlier, and I forgot about this. He's going to have to go against Derek Stingley and Grant Delpit. That was a dumb mid-sentence stop. I, yeah. Sorry, LSU fans, if I gave you a minor heart attack. No, that's not the case. Tua, is he going to be able to hold in this game? What are you talking about? He's the holder. He's talked about... Connor, we're talking about... Let's talk about the actual football. game. It's the biggest game of the year. I, I don't understand this. a little bit. No, I'm let's trying, break I'm, down the game. You're tense. You're tense. I'm trying to I'm not. I'm up. prepared. We're just... We're talking about the game. Like, so again... Yeah, I don't know if he's going to be able to hold. I don't, I don't think it's going to matter because our field goal kicker is going to suck anyway. I hope he never takes the field. That would be awful. Here's, here's, here's what I'll say. This game, we talk about the, the battle of these quarterbacks and, and what's going into this with, with Tua versus Burrow and, and two guys that could, you know, could, be in the, could be going to New York for the Heisman Trophy, all of that stuff. My boy Brad Crawford tweeted this out, and it's it's so interesting yeah. to think about. And I think it's so different than what we've seen in recent memory in this game. There could be seven top 50 picks on the field at receiver alone. I had to read that several times. That is a ridiculous stat. Isn't that amazing? I, I thought about this I mean, this morning when we were talking seven. with Hester, and, and, and I, I should have brought it up then, but like everyone talks about that 2011 game and how it wasn't like, you know, that exciting of a game, but like 44 of the 48 players on that two deep for both those teams played in the NFL. I, I wonder if this is going to challenge those numbers from where Bam and LSU are now. On offense, it's going to. Yeah, and I would have to go back and, and really dig into it because I think, what would it, Beckham obviously played against Landry, with the, that Landry, Matthew. So, yeah, I'd have to go. But, I mean, if we're just talking about talent at receiver specifically. Yeah, it's crazy. It's got to be one of the all-time games in terms of receiver prospects on the field at once. Well, because, and also in secondary. You talk about probably the top yeah, two safeties in the country. Derek Singley, we just said, like he's Gosh. the second-rated quarter in pro football focus. I mean, Sertain, we'll see how he, he has. He didn't look great last year like you brought up in the Orange Bowl. I, Diggs has been outstanding. All year. Oh, he's been tremendous. All American. So it, yeah, it'll be really interesting. I, I'm, I'm so fascinated. Is, that battle is going to be good. And how much, you know, Hester brought this up too. How much do these offenses, or these defenses rather, say, we are going to bring pressure and we are going to trust that our stud defensive backs can cover in one on one and give our quarterbacks a chance to say, go up and make a play? There's yeah. going to be so many great battles in this game where it's going to be. Jerry Judy on Derek Stingley, yeah. Trayvon Diggs on Jamar Chase, so, stuff like that, where we just get to see these one-on-one -on -one battles and these freak athletes just go up and try and make a play against each other. Those are the moments that could define this game. Yeah. And I'm so interested to see who has that highlight viral play because you know it's going to happen in a game with so much talent on the field. Yeah. 
I think that battle is just going to be one for the ages. I am super excited to see this. It's as good of an individual matchup as I can think of in recent memories. We talk about kind of the outsides, right. not so much like one offensive line versus a defensive line or something like that. No, I think awesome. when you have like that, are we? Are you trying to move on from the game? We're not even close. No, I'm not okay, moving good. on. I'm That's not, it. so. Listen, I thought about that, that thought. this morning too. It's like the one that one thought. Like if there's like a seven on seven of these two, like I would I would yeah, love to see point. that. That'd be awesome to watch. And like thinking about that. I tell you what, man, it's like as nervous as I am as like a fan and how I, I just went off that whole thing about how I hate this game. This game's going to be fun, man. This game's going to be really fun. Again, you look at the secondary for Bama. I think they're they're averaging giving up 0.1 yards after catch per target this season. It's Oof, obviously it's good it's really good. Um, how these kids are going to get in space. I think, like I said, with Hester, Thad, Thad Moss, I think he's the key for, for LSU. I don't think it's the running backs just because I, I think this is going to finally be that that you know, back and forth. I don't think it's a Big 12 game necessarily, but um, I think like the over-under was came like or opened up at 63 and a half. That's the highest. Oh, it's it's the highest it's ever been in the, in the series history. They haven't scored Dude, more than really 47 points in the last five years combined. I mean, each wow. team. I'll tell you later in our prediction why I'm fascinated that it opened up at 63 and a half. Yeah. I do think that the running backs are going to have an impact in this game. I've talked about it throughout the week. I just think that both of these these guys, Najee Harris and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, they can be these three down backs who you can turn to in key spots and say, you know what, you're taking away the pass. We don't really like what, what we're seeing on the outside. We're going, to, we're going to trust that these guys can get us six, seven yards on first down and let that set up everything else that we're going to try and do. Like we saw against Auburn, LSU was not afraid to turn to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in that game and say, there are running lanes for you on the ground. We're not having the day passing that we thought we could, but if that's what's being taken away, I think both of these coordinators who have been tremendous, Steve Sarkeesian and the likes of Steve Ensminger and Joe Brady, these guys should be getting Broyles Award consideration, all that stuff, and they have the capabilities, I think, of making that in-game adjustment. It's just as tough as it would be to say, we're going to take the ball out of Tua's hands, we're going to take the ball yeah. out of Joe Burrow's hands in some key spots. I don't think that they would necessarily be afraid to do that. I know that's kind of an unpopular thing to say with how good these passing offenses are, but I think that if that's available, why not try and yeah. take it and see if you can control a little bit of clock? No, I, so I think it's a really, really good point, Connor, because, I mean, it's especially because... Look, we, we think both these teams are clearly great. They've combined on the season, they've only played one team that has a top 20 offense or defense. And that was Texas, who had a 19th ranked offense when they played LSU. They had Definitely not seen that great a competition. Defense, sure. And I, I know, yeah, they're awful. And I know those numbers can get skewed because they have to obviously play against these two teams. But when you look at like the, the past defenses they've, they've both gone up against, I think the average ranked uh, past defense Bama's face is like 69th. Nice. LSU's nice. is 80th. So I think you are going to have... They're not going to have as much success as they're used to. I wouldn't... If Joe Burrow comes out and completes 78% of passes and Tua completes 74% of the passes, I would be absolutely shocked because there's just too much talent on, on defense. And, like, not only in the secondary, but up front as well. So, you, I mean, you look at Alaire, that kid, he runs so hard, and the yards after contact, that's, always that's where... Always falls forward. Always falls forward. Like, like what, what teams from the past that were so good with Bama, like when they played for Nett especially... They were able to get penetration right off the bat, especially in the middle. Guys like Ashawn Robinson and uh, Deron Payne, stuff like that. You don't see that as much from Bama um, this year. I think they have some chances, like with Najee out of the backfield catching passes and with uh, Elaire like in between the tackles. I think there's a lot of potential for for big games. I guess 
It's interesting you bring up 2015 because I've been wanting to ask you this question. I didn't know you in 2015. I didn't, I didn't know, know that a Chris Marler existed. <laughs> um, and obviously we have hindsight to be able to judge this, but I think this is a, an interesting question for Bama fans as a whole. Your level of concern going into this game, if you can take yourself back and compare it to what it was like going into 2015 when Leonard Fournette looked like, looked like the Heisman favorite going into this yeah. one, where was your level of concern at for that game compared to this one? Not even close. Not even close to being as concerned. Like the 2015 thing, and it's a different. It's a different thing. Like if you're depending on a running back, like to to beat Bama, I know what Zeke Elliott did, and I know that there's been like a couple guys that have gone off and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, Fournette. First off, Bama already had their loss, and then came out the next weekend. They were an underdog for the first time in like I think in the last ten years. And, and boat race Georgia. I, I think that was more of like we've had our loss. We have to like regroup, focus, and we're like you know on the revenge tour thing that I brought up earlier, like you know before the season. This is not that. It's not just defending one receiver either. It's there's just so much talent all over the field. And and I think again, what what scares me more than anything as a Bama fan, it's not the X's and O's. It's not the like the the Jimmys and the Joes, even thing like that, or the coaching matchups or any of that. It's because I've looked at every angle possible, Connor. I can it's, tell, it is, man. You are prepared. I am, dude. I'm so pumped for this one. But like, what worries more than anything is when I look at LSU, and and I don't think my eyes are deceiving me when I see it. We've seen it in person. Is that that level of confidence, that level of swag, that level of like toughness that comes from Coach Orgeron, especially or Coach O. You see, like Joe Joe Burrow doesn't look like he's ever faced, and I have seen Tua take himself out of games or get in his own head. And, and like I said it last year and everyone got upset when I first brought up that I said he was soft. I, what worries me is if they get behind early, do they have the mental toughness to come? Do they have the dog in them to come back and, and go win a ball game? Do you, do you have like, do you have the competitive spirit in you enough to go and be like, I, you know, we finally have to face adversity. This isn't Louisiana Lafayette or whoever we played earlier in the season or Duke or any of those games. Like, how many minutes have these teams played with a deficit? That's going to be interesting in itself. I don't know. These teams have not played very much from behind yeah. at all this year. I mean, really. With Bama, I mean, you go back to the Duke game where they're down three to nothing, and yeah, they might have had like one seven nothing deficit, but have these teams trailed in the second half? I think of the game? so. Am I blanking? Wasn't so Auburn was up thirteen ten in the second half last week. Oh, good point. Yeah. Good point. Too, um, but but yeah, I mean, again, like yeah. it, that's we've talked about that before too. Where it's if you're not, if you're like one of the like benefits of having a difficult schedule is like you are put in like you facing adversity and like this. So when you get to the big stage and it's like one verse two or two verse three, or whatever it is, it's not the first time you you have to like you know kind of like dig deep and kind of figure things out, man. Like you haven't you you faced yeah. you faced like tough like uh, opposition and, and and been in tough games or close games. We're going to talk more on this with our picks with Hester. Like we said, let's do our week 11 picks and over-unders. Let's start with, ah, we've got some some tough ones I'll, to start. Real quick, top, before, before we say this, I just want to let you know that 2015 game, I have a picture still up on Instagram. I was still nervous. And there's like a, a, a picture of my like game day setup. And it was like a 12-pack of Coors Original, like a bottle of bourbon, a stick of deodorant. Like I, I had like, because I was so superstitious. I was like, with, with you know, I'm drinking beer and we get off to a bad start. I got to switch. Okay, I gotta ask. Of those three things, the deodorant. what had the lowest lowest percentage remaining? At the oh, end of that yeah. Day? Well, I mean, the deodorant did never set a chance. The bourbon was gone. <laughs> the bourbon was gone pretty quickly. 
All right, week 11 picks and over-unders. Vandy in Florida. Florida is a 26-and-a-half point favorite coming off of the tough loss to Georgia. Vandy is coming off the expectedly lopsided loss to South Carolina. Do you think Florida is going to come back off of the cocktail party loss and be able to blow out Vandy? Vandy's awful. Like, they're awful. That's just it. Yeah, it's tough to watch. Um, no, no I, I don't. I, honestly, I don't know. This is going to be weird because Florida is 0-4 against the spread in their last four games following the Georgia game. Oh, yeah. that's and Listen, it's not all just the Bama LSU stuff, guys. I did I did a deep dive on everything. Um, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on the same rule of thought with you and say that Florida can win this game by, I don't know, 24 or something like that, but... 26 and a half is a, is a lot of points. I mean, points. it's a lot it is a lot of points. I will say they've only it also the uh, the under is 6 and 0 in their home games this year. Mm. And like in so their true home games they've only played four. They've only given up 16 total points this season. So if they if they come out focused, if Grantham gets his blank together, but I mean it, it's just there's just nothing that Vandy does that's oof. this is true. This is true. Speaking of Grantham, the over-under is for replay slash mentions of last year's fight. Oh, I forgot about that. Which was just fantastic. We talked about it the other day. The over-under is 1.5. Um, I, I, yeah, over. Over. Because this game's not going to be interesting to watch. I guarantee you it's going to be raining. I haven't looked at the forecast, but there's just no way it's going to be a nice day out. Dan Mullen's going to be taking off the visor with his wet hair and <laughs> shake it around. I want to see more Mullen yelling. Yeah, Mullen yelling is pretty is is somewhat rare. I feel like he usually is collected, but he was getting after the officials the other day. That is for yeah. sure. Western Kentucky versus Arkansas. Oh it is the bowl of your all-time favorite former this is Arkansas a... quarterback. What? What I do? Finish that. Go I'll ahead. wait. I mean, this know, is the story of a hurl. There it is. Arkansas, one-point favorite. At home against a, a group of five team that, as John the Don Chavis reminded oh us, God. has a lot of upperclassmen. And Arkansas just doesn't have a lot of upperclassmen. So he's not an excuse, but he's just pointing that out there with a piece of paper that he had, that he brought specifically to that press conference. It could have been anything on that paper. It, I, you, you know what? That's a good point. That's a good I, point. Could have just been the alphabet. Why was he speaking? I don't know. I, if I'm a defensive coordinator and I allow 600 yards of offense, I'm probably not getting in front of the media and talking yeah. about it. I don't know. <clears throat> every time, every time John Chavis, like, is in the news, is is the first time that I remember that John Chavis is still coaching football in the SEC. 42 years he's been coaching, as he reminded everybody. That's ridiculous. So, yeah. Um, his offense looks like it's stuck in 19, or his defense looks like it's stuck in 1965. Which you thought that would be that. the strength of it too, because like that's they had Dejon Harris. Like, am I crazy for thinking Arkansas is going to win? No, because it's a group of five team that's five and four, and usually an SEC team at home should be able to win that game without me having this question tone in my voice. But I'm taking story of a hurl. Are you? I'm taking story of a hurl. I'm digging the I'm digging the grave that much more for Chad. If he loses to his former quarterback after playing, would you say it was a fifth or sixth quarterback? Fire him. This is a sixth quarterback that he's starting. John Stephen Jones, grandson of the great Jerry Jones. Bro, is he great? Pass out some scholarships to other people. Why do you have six quarterbacks on your team? I and the one he's that the one that he should be starting, KJ Jefferson, the freshman that actually ignited some life into that stadium the other day, isn't even getting the start. He's the only one, uh, the only scholarship quarterback I believe on that on that team that hasn't started this year. 
What a disaster. Yeah. What a disaster. But if, I think you're right, though. If he loses to Western Kentucky at home. Just get out. Yeah. I wonder how the fans are going to show up for this game. It's, it's an 11 a.m. kick. Uh, uh, how many reminders of Ty Story, Story of a Hurl, are we going to get that he was a former Arkansas quarterback? I set the over-under at a very, very high 11.5. Oh, it's got to be under that. Like, there's no other storyline for sure, but like, they're going to bring it up there? a lot and emphatically. This could be like one of those things that's like, well, not how many times they show Rich Rob, but how long. Like, how loud do they yell this into the mic if he leads them like on a fourth quarter comeback victory? I think it's it's got to be said a lot. What a story! <laughs> I'm gonna get. I already hate it. I'm gonna get so upset. Let's move. Storybook on. ending, Connor. I see what you do there. Those headlines write themselves. Oh, Goodness gracious! If you're a Western Kentucky area newspaper, um, yeah, you've got your work. It's it's easy. Also, we'll move out of Western you. Kentucky, but moving on. New Mexico State and Ole Miss. Ole Miss is a 28-point favorite at home. You're shaking your head. You don't like that line. No, no, I do. I just, but like New Mexico State is awful. We just, I just talked about how bad the other game was. New Mexico State's 0-8. Yeah, have yet to win a football game, which is usually why a team like Ole Miss would be a 28-point favorite. I, I just, I honestly think this is low. I think it's slap in the face to Ole Miss. Uh, yeah, Matt Luke. Don't want Matt Luke. Matt Luke coming in here. I I've never even heard of New Mexico. I've heard of Old Mexico. I don't even like it. Okay, seen a lot of shows there. Breaking bad. That, that's no. I, I said Old Mexico. Old Mexico. I'm not talking about oh, New Mexico, gotcha. Connor. All that kind of meth and stuff like that. I, uh, listen, people used to call us Old Meth. And actually, you know, I've taken it too far. I don't know that. That's why you can't do stuff on the fly with Matt Luke. Um, I got Old Miss big in this one. Yeah, breaking news. I do too. <laughs> Dude, they are off. Like, God, they are so bad. It can always be worse. Remember that, SEC fans. Remember that, Arkansas fans. It can always be worse. I think Ole Miss is going to cover yeah. as well. I think our guy, John Rice Plumley throws the ball above people's feet, and I think Ole Miss is actually able to move the ball both ways. <laughs> in this game. Report. Hey, by the way, you see that he has he broke the record for single-season single rushing yards for a quarterback at Ole Miss? By an Ole Miss quarterback. Yeah. Okay. That I should have explained all that. Yeah. I was about to say. <laughs> he had the Mr. most Tim rushing Tebow yards ever in argue. the history of the world. But I was surprised that it wasn't Archie. Um, they probably tracked that stat differently then. And it's just it was years. one of those where, I don't know, they probably subtracted quarterback rushing yards. They're like, no, if you get positive yards on offense, that's, that's yeah. horrible. What are you I'm doing? I'm just surprised they were like, tr- like they tried to throw the ball and it because they would, ugh, anyway, anyway. Speaking of throwing the ball, Rich Rod, I don't know how many times he's going to throw the ball in this game, but I do feel like we're going to get Rich Rod booth shots. Yeah. Because if there's any sort of struggle in this game, on the offensive side of the ball, we're going to see Rich Rod in the booth. At least we better. I set the over-under on Rich Rod booth seconds at 15, keeping in mind that Ole Miss should be able to run away with this It's got to be, uh, it has to be under, right? Maybe it's over just because like it could be something late in the game where they just like are panning up there just to just to see like just like you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like you know like some of those broadcasts like they, like really crappy games like this where it's like this is Dan and he's wearing like a yellow poncho for no reason like his his wife just had their seventeenth kid like I think they'll just have one guy dedicated to like like all right we got Rich Rod Cam a Rich Rod Cam would be kind of cool like a Truman Show but with anger problems. We have seen in Major League Baseball that they'll do the interviews with the managers oh, yeah. during the game. Let's just get Rich Rod a separate headset in the fourth quarter oh, 
Let him stop calling plays if the game is a blowout. You got third string quarterback in there, whatever it is. Let him get a headset. Just provide some live commentary while he's looking at his yeah, offense. Like a that spring he has game. No control of. <laughs> I, I am here for that. Dude, like, and do, don't that. tell him it's happening. Like, like just bust in the door no, like it's yeah. a whistleblower thing. And, then, and by the way, you said th- the third string quarterback. At that point, I, I'm assuming they're still rotating all three quarterbacks because they just can't decide on one. Probably. Yeah, probably that'd something be fun. like that. The game that we're going to be at, Mizzou, Georgia. We actually, so we disagreed strongly on this opening line. I said it was going to be Georgia minus 21. You said 11 and a half Mizzou. Maybe it's kind of right middle. in the middle. I don't know what song that what? is. What? That kind of creeped me out. All right, I tell you what, I will say this is more fun than all the analytics and stats that I broke down. This is, this this has been a better segment. Uh, it's a great song. It's not real. You can check it out. Georgia's a 17-point favorite at home. Do you think that they're going to be able to show up for us in attendance? I would I would think so. I, I will say that like a couple of my friends that have like season tickets, like big week for you. And I was like, actually, we're coming to Athens. He's like, oh, we're not. Like, well, that's cool. So, <laughs> oh, I mean, no. I, honestly, I don't care how this sounds. I'm excited to see the light show. I, Athens is one of my is my favorite SEC city. So we're gonna have a blast. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, yes, we are. I, I so this game, we, you you brought this up before. I think it was even a thing, like about Mizzou playing on the road. And you brought up like, like kind of in jest a couple weeks ago about how like, well, yeah, you know, could they beat Rutgers on the road? I don't know. I honestly, so I don't know. Uh, like, listen, the, here's the difference in how Missouri looks on offense at home versus away. They average 40.4 points per game at home, 17 on the road. I, I won't go through all of them. I'll just say like they average 23 points less per game. They give up 17 more points per game on the road. They're going to get boat raised. Have you seen all of the the memes of Baker Mayfield that have been Good going around God. where they do the, they compare his his GQ shoot in the preseason to his shot of with the He's mustache homeless. and the trench coat? That's essentially Mizzou yeah, at home that's, that's against spot on, on the road. <laughs> that's it right there. Um, we find out from Barry Odom that Kelly Bryant might not actually even be playing in this one because he's dealing with a, a hamstring injury that, that he went down with late against Kentucky. So something's not right. All the more there. reason, in my opinion. I mean, it's a weird set of circumstances. We still don't know about this appeal with the NCAA. That's like the least they're, of their concerns now, too, which is which sucks. But I mean, ugh. It, but yeah, like to just Kale casually Garrett? mention that, like, oh yeah, Kelly Barrett might not play. What else you guys want to talk about today? Yeah, like yeah, I don't know. I all the more reason I think that Georgia, yes, even though they are coming off with a big win, it's still a night game. They're going to be able to to get up for this one, I think. And maybe they've turned the corner the the corner offensively. I just think. If, if, if it's a limited Kelly Bryant, uh, even if it's Kelly Bryant at full strength, I would not want to see what he has to do against this Georgia no. defense. And That's going to be really, really We rough. talked about Florida, by the way, with like how their numbers are after the Georgia game. Georgia's the total opposite. They're 5-0, and and they're 5-0 uh, and straight up and 4-1 and against the spread in their last five games following, the, uh, following Florida. I like that. I like that. In-stadium alcoholic oh, beverages good. consumed by us. I set the over-under at 6.5, a little bit higher than what I said for, for Auburn LSU. So this one's tough, man, because I think I think that I, I learned some lessons from Baton Rouge is that you just can't drink with Cajuns. <laughs> they just are doing, they are built differently. Um, I would like to say under, just because I want to be more like a, you know, more responsible this time around. However, a lot of this is going to depend on that 330 kickoff, Connor, and what happens at the end of that game. Exactly. So, I mean, I've been kicked out of a suite before. I'm kidding. I'm there's kidding. A, there's a new, uh, there's a new Justin Moore song like "Why We Drink," 
And it's basically like, when your team wins, you drink. When your team loses, you drink. There's a line, something like that in the song. This is going to be you on Saturday yeah. night. Where either way, either way, I think that number is going to escalate a little bit oh, higher dude. than what If we I win and you get happy drunk, Chris, that's going to be... That's that's kind of how the end of Baton Rouge was like, just smiling all the time. I'm so excited. So excited. SEC Championship was the same thing. Oh, yeah, that's right. Good point. We got happy drunk, Chris. Yeah. That was uh, You were definitely happy that night. Appalachian State. Ooh. App State. Let's just shorten it. What is yeah, the Appy State thing? That is awful. That's not a it, thing, is it? It was on STS. It said Appy State versus South Carolina. That was a typo. Okay. That was a typo, yeah. I think. I think I think our, our guy, Michael Bratton, admitted Okay. That. <laughs> I, was like, I, I thought that was a real thing. I was like, this is weird. If any App State fans were listening to this and they heard, that, sorry, yeah. apologies. I know you guys are all listening to an SEC podcast. South Carolina is a four and a half point favorite, which I thought they were going to be, what, I think I said six and a half when we did this the other day. So not quite as much. App State no longer in the top 25, but still a tricky matchup. Uh, a team that has been really, really good defensively. And South Carolina, I just cannot figure out week to week. I'm going to let you start oh. and maybe give me a stat to talk to me one well, way So, so I mean, yeah, it's funny you say that too, because like Jay Woody actually called me during this and called me out like, like correctly. He's like, Maybe you should stop doing so much research because it seems like you're just talking yourself in and out of things nonstop. Like the more you do, like, and that's like <laughs> this game. I was sitting here, I was like, like I, I have no idea. I, I honestly have no idea. So it's it's None. it's getting up. I think it's at five right now. The line was at five, which you know I hate that, but it opened at three, so it's gone in South Carolina's favor. It's a night game. Um, I, I know App State's like one and seven in their last eight games against Power Five schools, but that one win was this year against UNC, who obviously beat South Carolina. I don't know. I honestly, I have no idea what to say about this. I'm going to take South Carolina to win, but this would be this would shock me less if App State beat South Carolina than the Western Kentucky one. And that's not a slight at South Carolina. I think it's because App State's a, a good football team. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Do you to give you a stat? I, I'll take a stat. I'll take a stat. Second, what do you got? I like that. That's, you know, that's how we need to do it from now on, instead of me just force-feeding yeah. it to you. Um, they're second in the country in total turnovers lost. They've only lost four turnovers all year. They're twelfth in scoring offense. Give me App State to cover. Um, Okay, the the defense. I think the defense is going to give South Carolina some problems. South Carolina four and one against spread in home games this year. Second best record in the country. Go. Yeah, you want to? We'll just flip flop all day, man. Stop it. Tavian Feaster is not expected to play in this one. South Carolina ground game could be in for a rough day. I set the over-under for South Carolina passing yards against an App State pass defense that I believe is number eight. Yeah, there you go. I set the over-under. There we go. There's a stat for you. I set the over-under at 165 because that is exactly how many yards App State is allowing through the air each game. What do you say? Um, I'm going to say over. Um, Ryan Hill sinking. Yes, exactly. I'm, I'm going to say over for that. I think that's that's way easier than the actual line itself. So, be, but I will say this too: the the head coach, I'm not going to even try to pronounce his name, uh, for App State. So he was the offensive coordinator for NC State before this. He got this job, okay. And they played South Carolina, obviously, in the first game of 2017. And I think he outgained him like 540 to like 246, something like that. They put up like 415 okay. yards passing. That's that's a yeah. lot. That's a lot. I don't know how much that's going to matter on on Saturday, oh, but you never know. It's good to know. The game that I forgot to add on this, uh, I actually forgot at the doc, uh, Tennessee and Kentucky, a line that has been fascinating to watch because Kentucky opened as a four-point favorite, 
And that line, as as of this recording, is a pickup. Oh, it went, it went back down. It went back down okay, to a pickup as of this recording. So, Kentucky at home, basically, who do you think is going to win this game, Marler? So you, you were right about Kentucky being better at home than they are on the road, obviously. Um, Way better. So they're five and zero against the spread at home. They're they're a lot better at home. Um, it's not as drastic as. Uh, Missouri's numbers, but they do average 155 yards more uh, per game at home and 93 yards more of rushing at home and 23 points more at home. I'll tell you what, I, I'm going to take Tennessee just because I, I like the way they're playing. And, and over the past three weeks, Lynn Bowden has been incredible. And I hate to continuously go against against Kentucky because I love Kentucky and I love Lynn Bowden um, and wouldn't be surprised if they won. What I will say is Tennessee winning three of their last four, um, and I think the defense has really started to show up. Kentucky has had at least one turnover in all eight games this season. They've had more than one, or multiple turnovers in four of the eight. And since they are so one-dimensional, I think 79% of their play calls in the past three games have been uh, rushing plays, right? I think Tennessee, it's it's like 137 out of 137 rushing plays out of 173 total plays. I think Tennessee can beat them. This is going to be an ugly game. This game's going to be. I agree. I think the Lynn Bowden thing has been so fun to watch, and I'm excited for it. I do actually think, I know this sounds crazy, I think Kentucky is going to bring in Sawyer Smith a little bit more just because of how well Tennessee has been playing defensively. Guys like Bryce Thompson and Daryl Taylor, these guys who have just been so huge for them in this this midseason turnaround that they've had. I think that to beat a defense that good, you need to be able to be a little bit yeah. more versatile. And they're playing with That's, confidence too. Just throwing that out there. Um, playing with a lot of confidence right now. I, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna. I'll, I'll go the other side. I'll take Kentucky to win at home, just because once again another Kentucky home yeah. game at night with the mayor in attendance, Tom Hart, right. our guy. Kentucky just seems to be really, really good. I, just really can good. Can I give you two stats? And one is this is the, the craziest stat I've read all season. Feed them. Lynn Bowden has 786 total yards of offense this season. He's gained 648, which is 83% of it, in the last three games. That's crazy. He's a machine. Um, also, Kentucky, this is a real, this is the, honestly the, the craziest thing I've seen like in looking at any stat this whole season. Kentucky has the exact same amount of total yards, total points, and total first downs as they've allowed their opponents all season. The exact same, down That's to the this number. Is a That's crazy. That is yeah. wild. Goodness gracious. The over-under for this game is viral moments from our guy Tom Hart that we're yeah. going to want to clip and, and save for later. I'll set the over-under conservatively at two. I would say it'll be a push. He's, he's feeling himself this week. He's got college basketball it's, starting. It's he's going to be, oh, he yep. loves Lexington. He loves Lexington. He, he flips a switch when he's he in does. Lexington. Listen, listen to him call a game there. He's definitely campaigning for mayoral yeah, votes. Without a doubt. No doubt about it. Um, let's get to our locks of the week. I'm going in a different direction than we, I you, have really, in the past. How would you skip over the last game? I want to see how oh you would react to that. that was, all right, that was good. That was good. <laughs> all right, LSU, Bama, a game that we've talked about a lot, game that we're still going to talk more about with Hester. Bama's a six-and-a-half-point favorite as of right now. That line's probably going to change, though. You think? Maybe? I, so you might have been right. Like It hasn't really – it dropped down to five and then got back up. I don't really – there's still a lot – I mean, it's Wednesday, so it's like there's still a lot of time left. Um, I don't think it's going to go up in Bama's favor, but we'll see. Bama's – Bama. I think Bear Feliga just put up a, a stat like right before we came on that was like in – 
games. I don't know if, if it was against top five teams, but like where Bama was like a, a seven point uh, favorite or less, they're three and three, and they've lost. They've only won. I don't remember the set honestly. I don't know what it was. Oh, they, they're one and five against the spread, and they've they've they're three and three straight up. It's not good. So, Marler, question that everybody wants to know: Who are you taking? I've gone back and forth on this all week, and I I can honestly say. I, I, Chris Cordy brought up a stat this week, and, and since 2008, Alabama is 78 and four at home. 78 and four. When I saw it, I immediately realized the four losses. And this is this is <laughs> so this is, uh, for real. This is like just think about how ridiculous this stat is. 78 and four at home. The four losses: the 2010 Camback game to the number the team that won the national championship and a Heisman Trophy winner. The 9-6 game where they missed five field goals against LSU. Another Heisman Trophy winner with, with A&M in 2012. And then the Chad, uh, what do you call it? Or Hugh Freeze and, and Chad, what? Real quick, can you name what sort of alcohol you consumed in after all four of absolutely. those losses? Ab- yes, absolutely. <laughs> Bullet bourbon for Ole Miss. Uh, everything for A&M because I was in Nashville. I, uh, everything again for LSU game. And then that first one, I bought two bottles. The can back, I bought two bottles of moonshine from a stranger in a parking lot in Tuscaloosa. Anyway, back to what I'm saying. So those four losses, they were by. They're also only by combined. Like if that's not impressive enough, they're all by combined 15 total points against two teams that are ranked number one and two Heisman Trophy winners. I've looked at this every possible way. I, I love Alabama. I love everything that they're going to do. I don't think LSU has seen a defensive secondary like the, the, this one that they're going to play on Saturday. But I, I think the more I look at it and I try to be objective and honest with myself. The parts of me saying that Bama's going to win are are purely based out of me being a fan and not. I just I don't I don't believe in in Bama's mental toughness and doing the little things right enough to beat LSU. So I think LSU is going to win 34-31. Whoa! Whoa! I, I don't. I mean, I'm not even going to call that a hedge. I'm just I'm a, I'm amazed. I'm I just amazed. again I know we I, really I opened am. up about the special teams thing, but I'm just telling you if there's if these are the these are the you're not wrong. It's the the field position thing is such a huge deal, and LSU doesn't have a great kicker. But if this thing comes down to a damn field goal, we won't do Facebook Live. I'll just live tweet the reaction. Do it, but if we lose, just Maybe don't post, don't post it. I'm gonna take Bama to, to, to cover. I'm gonna take Bama to cover the six and a half. I think that they're gonna win by seven. I think 35-28 is what Ooh. I'm on record saying. I don't think it's quite the Big 12 shootout. I think that these defenses, these secondaries, are better than we've been giving them credit for throughout the year. I think they've improved a lot in the last few weeks. But if you're asking me who do I trust in this moment of knowing what's on the line here, knowing how to be able to to respond to to a little bit of, you know, I, I hate throwing it out there like the, oh, how do they respond to adversity? Who has dealt with this before? I think that this is the revenge tour is going to continue. They've been hearing about LSU all year. LSU's been the popular topic of conversation. I've said it before. America's team, I think Bama's just been sitting there just waiting for this opportunity. I think the schedule has allowed them to game plan for this LSU offense for the last month. Yeah. I think that they are going to be ready to go at a different level than we've seen from Alabama at any point this year. I think LSU's going to make this interesting. I think it's going to be a great down-to-the-wire game. Might have a little bit of a feel of kind of like a LSU-Florida felt, where it's just good back and forth, like kind of a little bit of a different style. fun sportsmanship on Twitter. 
just great sportsmanship back and forth. It's going to be awesome. Um, no, I think that Bama is ultimately going to win this game by seven. We're we're split on this. I didn't think we'd be. Split I can't on believe this. you picked Bama. And honestly, I've never ever. I can't believe ever, you picked LSU. I mean, I've tried. I've, I have all these notes. Um, I can, I've never wanted you to be like more right in my entire life. I, you can gloat forever. I will not ever bring up the Malik Willis thing ever, ever, ever again if this is right. Really? And, and, okay, and just good. so everyone's clear too, I love you guys. You guys are the best audience. You guys are incredible every every week, and thanks for tuning in. But know that on Saturday, this is my pick, LSU. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to hedge any kind of stuff. This is my pick, 34-31. But just know, yeah, come Saturday, I am 100% going to be pulling for Bama, and I, I don't want to hear any crap about it, <laughs> bottom line. No. No, I don't. Th- I don't think you deserve to hear crap about that. I set the over under. Uh, shout out to Eli Savoy, Memphis Radio, gave me the great idea earlier this week. He's also a Cubs fan. He's a good dude. Gave me the idea to do over under for passing yards in this game. Been a popular topic of conversation coming in. Of course, a little bit of this is dependent on the health of Tua. If he's at a hundred percent, I set the over under combined passing yards at five fifty. I would say over. So you think like both guys get about 300 passing yards? In this I mean, Tua put up 295 last year, and I think that defense was better. And in Burrow, it, it, you can't even honestly look at LSU's offensive stats last year compared to this year because it's just it's night and day. And you know, yeah. so I, I think I would take over. I would take over. I'm I'm gonna I'll take slightly under. I'll take slightly under. I just think the run games are gonna be the running games. Are I would be take very this at two nothing, point, like just a safety on a on a dropped punt through the end zone. That's I would love it. What if that happened? That'd be awesome. What if that happened? It and it was all of a sudden. I mean, you know, game and Bama of the century won, was a all over teams? again. What if Bama comes out and Bama wins like twenty four to twenty one, but it's on eight field goals? I think he'd be. <laughs> It just puts on it like Saban is just like instead of running up the score, he's just you know what? Stop! We're kicking a field goal on third down. Let's move on. Do it. Locks of the week. Uh, I'm going with Wisconsin to cover minus nine and a half at home against Iowa. Now I know Wisconsin's had a rough go lately. Iowa's been really good against the run. Jonathan Taylor might not be able to break off those long runs as he's been able to in the past. But this is always, for whatever reason, I feel like this is always the type of game that Wisconsin gets up for and just destroys people. When it's one of those ranked versus ranked matchups at home where it's not an Ohio State that's coming in necessarily a team that's you know top five in the country or something like that, Wisconsin usually just dominates them and just boat races them. And you think, oh, wait, that, this matchup shouldn't have been that close to begin with. I'm taking Wisconsin to win this one by double digits and get me back on track. Okay, I, I, love, I love this attitude out of you. I love you going back to the Big Ten stuff. It's your sweet spot. You're killing it on that. And keep in mind, the only one you missed from that Penn State-Michigan one, that was a close one. That was, I mean, we're fine here. We're fine. Stupid. Um, All right. I'm pumped about these. And you know what? I know we joke around that I do too much sometimes. We're going to have to make two graphics this week because Uncle Chris is going off. I love this slate of games. I love this entire board. And here we go. Can we get the the obvious one? No, I'm not doing it because it's 27. They've caught yeah, up to and you. so what? I, what I will, I will 100 add this. Whatever the first quarter line is, I'll probably throw that in there. And the team total. <laughs> so Ohio State has scored 49 go. points or more in the last five games against Maryland. So I will jump all over that once those come out. Um, here we, here we go. Wisconsin first half money line. Okay, mm-hmm. like they're coming off a bye week. They're pissed. I, I completely, I agree with that one. Um, Stanford full game money line at Colorado. 
Interesting. Stanford has been really, really up yeah, and, and I I know nothing about either Mostly one of down. these teams, and this is strictly from like Mel Tucker, Colorado. Yeah, they just got yeah. You're right. Um, they've been pretty bad though. Three and a half points. I think Stanford's also coming off a buy. I'm taking Stanford money line on that. Uh, Clemson first half minus sixteen and a half. Oh, they're gonna come. NC out State That's good. That's sucks. Really good. They are awful. Um, and again, hey, but Dabo said that NC State is one of the tougher places to play. In, so oh my God, keep Jesus. that in mind. Uh, Ole Miss first half minus sixteen and a half. I won't get too much into the stats here because I know I, I did that earlier on. But I will say this: New Mexico State, according to team rankings, is ranked the hundred or rated the hundred twenty seventh best first half team. They are all they give up twenty seven points per first half. That's awful. In the first, first half, quick, quick math. That's fifty-four points per game. That's not no, it's good. really bad. That's not so I good. take Ole Miss in the uh, minus six and a half. I would, I would almost take them full game at twenty-seven and a half too. Um, Penn State minus six and a half. They're a better team than Minnesota. Minnesota hasn't played anybody. Um, and again, Penn State's coming off a bye week. I like that. Even though PJ Fleck, all the numbers, he's he's done really well against the spread. I think he's like seven and one in his last eight. Um, and then here's your extras. These are all SEC. Here we go. Georgia minus 16 and a half. Absolutely love that. Um, UF Vandy, Florida and Vandy. I'm going to take the under at 48 and a half. I'll probably tease that with, uh, with what do you call it? Vandy up 35 and a half. And um, Vandy's 0 and 5 <laughs> against, the, against the over. And I already told you that Florida is terrible uh, in the over unders at home. Also, Georgia, the under in that at 47 because Mizzou is terrible on the road. And these two teams are 4 and 12 combined this season on that. Last one, Louisville plus 7 and a half at Miami. Oh, and then Oklahoma minus seven first half. Boom. We're going to make so much money this weekend, Power five games left? We're going to make so much. I'm so pumped. Is it going to be 650 bucks? It won't be as exciting as that, but I'm telling you, I haven't felt more confident about my picks than any any other week this year. I'm amazed. I'm amazed that you're, you're getting this bold this late in the year. I respect that. Jacob Hester, our good buddy, was kind enough to join us. Got into a lot of stuff with him. Really good showing from him. Yeah, he killed it. Drill down the stretch. Yeah, that was one of the better two minute drills that we've seen. Two minute drill slash family feud um, trademark. Word. <laughs> that. That's a different discussion. So here is our interview with our good pal. It is former LSU running back slash current SEC Network radio host, host radio show in Baton Rouge as well. It's Jacob Hester. We're now excited to be joined by a very special guest. It is our pal, Jacob Hester. Uh, Hester, I got to be honest with you, man. You sent me your Bitmoji yesterday with a with a thumbs up when we were confirming the time we were going to do this. And after seeing you up close and personal again a couple weeks ago, I, I think you're more handsome than your Bitmoji gives you credit for. <laughs> well, I tried to do it. You know, I tried to get some leeway there. Uh, maybe so I could surprise people in person. But I did the best of my ability. I've never really been artistic. And so that was my best shot at trying to put together something that looked like me. If it would have had a backwards hat on, if that was an option, and it might be, again, I'm not the best when it comes to things like that, I think it would have been more real because nine times out of ten, if you see me and I'm not on TV, I'm going to have a backwards hat on. True. Okay. It's got weird already, guys. And your Bitmoji, are you accidentally wearing Adidas stuff too when you should be wearing Nike stuff? (laughs) Yeah, so I do get in trouble for that as well. Because as y'all know, I am a big soccer fan. Adidas is a big soccer brand. LSU is a Nike school. And I was a Nike athlete when I was playing in the NFL. So I, I get some bad stares whenever I wear the Adidas around campus. 
All right. Well, if it's if it's cool with you, we're going to talk about the American football today. Um, that's what we're going to stick with. Um, <laughs> back in the day, you never lost to Bama. So before we talk about this year's matchup, what's your favorite memory from this rivalry? And please tell me it was facing Saban in 2007. Or, or don't. Obviously, that, yeah, like, like obviously that, that was a cool moment to be able to play against your former coach. Uh, but, but I do think there, there's a misleading kind of stat out there that everyone assumes Alabama just wasn't very good whenever LSU played them in the early to mid-2000s. We actually played Alabama in Tuscaloosa one year. They were like fourth in the country. And I think we were seventh, and it was deep into the season. We actually come oh, away gosh. with a victory there in 2005. In overtime, as Dwayne Bowe caught a touchdown pass in the end zone. And then after that game, Alabama season kind of spiraled after that loss. But Sheila had them playing really well. Uh, like I said, I mean, you're into November, and it was number four team in the country. So that was definitely a, a memory to be able to have an overtime win on the road. But 07 was definitely the coolest. I mean, uh, we loved Coach Saban playing for him, respected the hell out of him because of you know what he had done to that point. He recruited us, we played for him, and so there was no disrespect to Coach Saban that we wanted to play that game. But we felt like our coach Les Miles like got none of the credit and really didn't get talked about that week. It was all about Coach Saban. So as players, we wanted to go out there and play for our coach, Coach Miles, and. Uh, the, the narrative that, you know, Coach Miles won that championship with Saban's players, it's like, okay, I, I understand. A lot of us that started here played under Coach Saban for a year. But he hadn't been here in three years. And Coach Miles had molded us into the players that we were. So we wanted to make sure that he got that, that proper credit that we felt like he deserved. So that was a great game as well. It was back and forth. Javier Arena and change and it swung there for Alabama. And then Chad Jones had a big sack fumble for us and we're able to punch one in on the goal line there to seal the victory it was a fun game it was great to be a part of and i'll tell you coach Saban was outstanding after the game after such a tough loss to sit there and talk to every player that played for him and congratulate them i, I thought a lot of coach Saban. not that i didn't think i already respected the hell out of him but i thought even more of him just the time to do after such a tough loss connor yeah, i mean Marley, quick, I, know I just want to let you know this First off, this is not the best way to have started this podcast. I'm very, very <laughs> upset with you, Hester. But I just also realized that 2005 game, I was also in Athens, Georgia for, for that loss. And I, I, I'm in a glass case of emotion. Because you're going to be in Athens this weekend. We're going yeah. to be in Athens this weekend, ironically enough. Which makes no sense when we talk to anybody about this. But So, Hester, we talked about this a little <laughs> bit on SEC This Morning. Uh, t- tell me the kind of impact that the tailgate, the the, the tailgate. Uh, I can't even speak. Yeah, I, I, obviously my mind is on Athens. If I'm mistaking tailgate and tailbacks, tell me the impact that the tail ba- the tailbacks are going to make in this game. A word I can't say all of a sudden. I think it's going to play a huge impact in this matchup because when you look at the guys, man, their stats are eerily similar. I mean, you're talking about 5.9 yards to carry for both of them. You're talking about their yards after contact is pretty much identical. You talk about uh, the yardage they have on the season. I think the one thing that sets a lot of people, uh, you know, into shock is that Najee Harris only has a long run of 25 yards this year. That shocked me because I, I think the world wow. of Najee Harris. Uh, when I filled out my uh, preseason all-conference stuff, he was probably the first guy that I listed at the running back position, or at least uh, second next to Keyshawn Vaughn, and he's been really good this year. He hasn't been, it's not like he's been a bad back. I was just surprised he hasn't had that home run run yet. Of course, we all remember the reception he had against South Carolina, which was a dynamic run after the catch. 
Uh, but I, I think a lot of people, and you know this, I think so many people sleep on Clyde Edwards-Elair because the preseason perception was Najee Harris all-conference. Clyde Edwards-Elair, who's this guy? He's going to get replaced by one of the five-star freshmen. That was the narrative. Yep. And that hasn't been the case at all. I mean, Clyde Edwards-Elair has really been a rock for this team. He's had his biggest moment in LSU's biggest games, not only this year, but last year as well. He dominated the Georgia football team in Baton Rouge this year against Florida and Auburn. He's had his two biggest games against the two best opponents that LSU's played. So he is a big game player. He shows up when you need him the most, and he does it in a number of different ways. He's got the the jump cut. He's got the spin move. He can overpower you as well. And I always go back to my quote from Devin White. You can't find him because of his stature, right? He gets lost behind the offensive line. But he's strong and powerful enough that when he gets on top of you, he'll run you over because he's that strong. And that's Devin White, a top-five pick in the NFL draft, telling me that off the record, just a bad conversation of what he thought about Clyde Edwards-Elair a year ago. So I'm looking forward to it because this is a game that can come down to that kind of matchup. Which one of these running backs has that big moment, that long run, that backbreaker that the defense expects it to be passed and you hand off a draw on third and 11 or whatever it might be and he picks up a first down and turns it into a touchdown. I'm looking forward to seeing which one of these guys has the big moment because I think the world of both of them and I think both of them have the ability to have that big shining moment in this game. Yeah, they're, they're so good after contact, too. Um, let's talk punting and special teams. If we're going to talk about impact <laughs> players, uh, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I, so everyone has been talking about the quarterback battle uh, between Burrow and Tua, um, and we just talked about the running backs. I honestly don't think that's the the biggest impact player on the field. I think the biggest potential mis, mis, mismatch is if LSU can utilize tight end you know, Thaddeus Moss in space with those two freshman linebackers in coverage. Who do you think is going to have the biggest impact or who's the biggest impact player on Saturday? No, it's actually a great matchup, and we talked about that in length on my local show yesterday about what Thad Moss could do for this LSU offense. And, of course, Alabama's missing their tight end. He's going to be out with a throat injury, and he was big as well in the run and passing game. And so it was going to be a great matchup between two really good tight ends, and now Thad Moss the only uh, guy available for this one. But he, he's really been a rock for LSU, not only in the passing game, but he's been really good in line blocking, which wasn't something that LSU coaches were necessarily counting on when they brought him in from NC State as a transfer. And the matchup, like you mentioned, against two freshman linebackers. Now, those two freshman linebackers are extremely talented. Christian Harris, knowing very well, played at the same uh, school that my sons go to and watched him play a lot of football. And he's gotten so much better. And not as far as the talent. He was already talented. But we all know Nick Saban's defenses. To try to learn those as a true freshman, trust me, I know. I tried to play safety my freshman year. Your head is absolutely <laughs> So I, I know how difficult that can be. They've grown. Is it still something that's probably a concern for Coach Saban? I think so, just because you know having true freshmen together side by side in your defense, it can be scary for any coach. And so that that Moss made a lot of hay. He was key in the uh, victory over Auburn. Find them throwing the ball to him in the third, fourth quarter would be my guess because when you, when you talk about the receiver matchups, obviously there's going to be a lot of attention on every single receiver out there. It's okay, who can be that X factor? Who can be that other trump card that we can use if our receivers don't get open? I think Thad Miles has a big day for LSU. You're around this team. You've seen the chatter. You've heard the chatter, rather. I don't know if you can see chatter. Coach O is rightfully downplaying the impact of this game, and I kind of like what he's been doing this week and talking about it. But how much has 29 nothing been discussed in that locker room? 
I've got to imagine it, it's talked about. And like you said, like publicly, you're not going to say that it's been talked about. You say the one game in a time speech that every coach gives us, but come on. I mean, 29 to nothing, and you had a really good season last year. You won a Fiesta Bowl, and you know that you did not show up in that game. And the defense actually, you know, kind of held their own. They were on the field pretty much the entire game. And I know it's crazy to say they gave up 29 and they had a good game, but go back and watch the tape. They did everything you could ask them. They picked off yeah. two for the first time. They had their moments enough that if LSU's offense did anything to help them out, the game's completely different. So offensively, I would assume it's probably been talked about more than anything. Guys, we've had two of our last three games against this defense. We haven't scored points. You know, three years ago, 10 to nothing. Last year, 29 to nothing. We have to show up, and it has to be talked about. Louis Cushenberry, before they played Florida this year, had all the stats of what Florida's defensive line did against them as far as pressures and hurries and sacks. It should be that same talk this week. It shouldn't be shot away from. You should talk about getting dominated and being shut out because that can be a motivation. This is a new day in LSU's offensive philosophy, and you've got to remember what it was like last year when you didn't have success and you didn't help your defense out. And I would assume knowing Joe Burrow a little bit that he's talking about it with his players as well on an individual basis. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I wish we would have started talking about it at the top of the, the interview, but that's... <laughs> um, so, like, all, all jokes aside, and you know I'm a, I'm a Bama fan and all that kind of stuff, I, I fully expect this game to be different, and this is a different LSU team, different LSU offense, all that. But if LSU does somehow come up short again this year with this team, what what is the psyche and the... the the mood in not only for LSU fans after that, but for the LSU program? That's a great question. It's something we've talked about a lot this week because you do feel like it could be different. You do feel like you're better set up this year with a veteran quarterback than Joe Burrow and having this all-time offense. I mean, when you look at the stats, this is one that's setting records. This is one that Joe Burrow could finish the single season leader as far as completion percentage ever in college football and if you fall short this time it's going to be heartbreaking i don't think there's any question about it because you've played so well up to this point so there's a lot of of emphasis as you know on this matchup every single year and i think the emphasis goes up this year now i think if you lose it it's not like your program is done and and you know the optics of how you lose this game if you do those still matter and so look it's not doomsday scenario if you only lose one game and it's two Alabama. There's a lot of teams in the SEC that have had great years and can't figure out Alabama. But you want to see progress. You want to see LSU start to win some of these battles against Alabama because they're winning now on the recruiting trail. They've got the buzz back around the program. Coach O's done an outstanding job of building LSU back to a national power and getting them in New Year's Six Bowl games, getting them in the top three when it comes to recruiting classes. And so – Yes, this is the kind of the, the last step, right? You've got all these things back on track. Now you've got to get back on track and beating Alabama. So to shy away from this contest, I'd be lying to you. I wouldn't be doing my job. It's massive for LSU. And look, it's big for Alabama, too, because this is going to be, if they win this game, the biggest win on their resume is going to propel them to the college football playoff. And even if they have a loss in the Iron Bowl, this could be a win that still stands tall. So there's a lot on the line for both teams. But obviously, it'd be, it'd be naive for me to say that losing eight in a row to the same team when you're as good as LSU is wouldn't be troublesome. Hester, it feels like it wasn't that long ago that we were talking in, in the preseason about Joe Brady, and we both were high on his potential impact. But at the time, you know, we're talking about this 29-year-old assistant who came in from the Saints, and he's bringing in his offense. 
and he's still relative unknown in college football, even though there was that optimistic outlook, the conversation about him has changed totally. And all of a sudden, you're seeing him show up. Danny Cannell listed him as one of his possible candidates to take the, the Florida State head coaching job. The, the, the storyline surrounding him has shifted so dramatically in such a short period of time here that I think LSU fans even are kind of bracing themselves. They kind of know, look, things are going to change at the end of the year. This is a guy who's making four hundred grand right now. They know that the sky is the limit for what he is going to get, and everybody in the country is going to want to come after this guy. How do you see this thing playing out when that decision does have to come at season's end? Well, yeah, look, there there could be some movement. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, the football profession is getting younger and younger. And you and I have talked about that, about Coach Miles when he was searching for a job. You know, everybody wants that new up-and-coming fresh face. And he'll have opportunities. Now, I don't know if it's going to be at a place like Florida State. And I don't know Joe's mindset as far as does he want to be a head coach right now because I think the best coaches in college football, even when they're young, they realize if they're ready or not. And Joe will realize, am I ready or not to be a head coach? Do I want to do something different? You know, Joe could have the mindset, I want to be an NFL guy. And I was going to build my name in college football, but he spent time in the NFL already. Uh, you look at a Dave Aranda. Dave is, is a guy that I personally don't think wants to be a head coach necessarily. He'd rather yeah. be a coordinator in some capacity. So, you know, it's all about where's his mindset at. I know – LSU will do literally everything they can to keep him. He's not going to be making $400,000 a year next year. I can guarantee you that if he's still at LSU. So a lot of different things could play out. Uh, Steve Ensminger's done an outstanding job as well as the offensive coordinator. But the best thing about Minger, he doesn't have an ego. He really wants to win football games. He just wants to coach football. And so that that's why this relationship has worked so well. And so there there could be some different titles added to everybody's uh, resume. I'm not sure what plays out, but I can promise you this, just talking to everyone around LSU, they will do anything and everything they can to keep him coaching on the LSU sidelines. So, Hester, I wrote this, I wrote this question. I promise this is real. I, I wrote this question – on Monday, and then Tuesday morning, you actually brought it up almost verbatim uh, in your interview with Connor, talking about um, what the point spread would be basically for uh, against Georgia uh, in the SEC championship game. So Vegas basically is they, they've said that UGA would be a three and a half point underdog to LSU and an eight and a half point underdog as of today to Alabama. Setting aside any kind of professional, unbiased journalism. <laughs> does does UGA scare you in the least bit? They have an elite defense, but if you're if you're a Bama or LSU fan, do they scare you in in the least? I think obviously, look, it's Georgia, and we've seen the talent they have. So I mean, obviously, it's a game that I, I, you know I'm scared. I'm never going to use the word scared, but you definitely pay attention, and you know the opponent that you're facing, and you know absolutely that they can beat you on any given Saturday. Uh, I think if you're LSU or Alabama, though, I think it'd be a little bit different feeling knowing that if you got them in a shootout, that would favor you because, obviously, they have more of a pro-style offense. They want to control the clock. They want to do some different things. Their rush defense, guys, is as good as there is in the country. I mean, they showed that against Florida. Florida had no ability to run the football, but that's not what these two teams do. These two teams can do it any way you want them to do it. Yes, they can absolutely run the football, but they can also – I mean, look, we're talking about two of the all-time offenses in college football history, not just in the last 10 years, in the last 15 years. Doring and I were breaking down the numbers this morning. You're setting up for an all-time offense of, of juggernaut for Alabama and LSU. 
uh, as far as total yards and teams actually run the ball. I know Washington State, Texas Tech, and Mike Leach have had some big numbers, but as far as you know, teams that actually run the football and do different things, I mean, these are two of the all-time offenses. So uh, I'd still I'd favor LSU and Alabama in that matchup. I really would. Georgia plays really well in the Georgia Dome uh, as well. Not Georgia Dome anymore. I'm showing my age. Mercedes Benz <laughs> Dome, whatever that, whatever it's called now. I'm showing my age, but I've played them in that stadium. I've played them in that venue in the SEC championship game, and it was tough. We got a butt whipped by the Georgia Bulldogs. But as we sit here today in November, I still would favor LSU and Alabama just because their defense would have to pay the the perfect game, in my opinion. Right. They have to be really good because if it got into a shootout. Obviously, it does favor the the receivers from Alabama, from LSU, and Jake Fromm. Y'all know this. I think the world of him, but he doesn't have those three, four receivers that both those teams have. So I think last night we were watching the playoff rankings, and I think that a lot of people, myself included, thought LSU was going to be at number one. Yeah. They saw the three wins against top ten teams. Thought that's going to be that's that's such a good thing to have in their back pocket the path for them to potentially make it as a non-conference champ if they were to lose to Alabama and then dominate the rest of the schedule would still be there. What was your reaction to seeing that LSU was at number two? I definitely thought LSU would be at number one. I don't think there's any question. You and I talked about it on Tuesday. I was surprised to see LSU on the two line. But honestly, it doesn't really matter. As you all know, it's all about where you finish. And it's really basically four number ones. You just got to get into the playoffs. Uh, I was surprised as far as kind of when, when they talked about why they did what they did because I thought that the uh, quote-unquote the eye test wasn't a, as big a factor. I thought strength of record was supposed to be the thing that kind of propelled you to those spots. And um, as you heard them talking about, they kind of admitted that Texas win. And I, I'm still going to give LSU credit for going on the road in Austin, Texas. And the team that they played and winning that game, Texas has been absolutely beat up in the defensive backfield. And Ellinger hasn't played his best. I know the last couple of weeks, but I still think that's a really uh, quality win going on the road. And uh, Ohio State, obviously, when you look at their schedule, Wisconsin, yeah, they, they did absolutely uh, destroy them. But what does that win look like now that they've lost two games in a row? Michigan State was ranked 25th, I think, when they played them. They're no, they're no longer ranked. And so we could go back and forth. I think Ohio State's a really good football team. I thought they'd be number two. They end up number one. But I don't think it's that big a deal. I know a lot of fans in Baton Rouge probably will make a bigger deal of it than anything just because they thought they were going to be number one. I think they deserve to be number one. But at the end of the day, we all know it's all going to play itself out. And I'm sure Coach O and Coach Saban, just like Dabo Sweeney, love the fact that they weren't number one. They love the fact yep. that they were two. Coach O can say, hey, they don't believe in our wins. They don't believe in us. Coach Saban, same thing. Dabo, he's going to use that. All day long. I mean, hey, we're the defending national champs. Oh, we're undefeated. They don't even think enough of you to put you in the top four. So trust me when I say these coaches loved exactly where they fell in these initial rankings. I mean, no offense. Just what a Homer response, though, that you wanted LSU <laughs> number one. I, um, no, I'm kidding, obviously. I, I, listen, I was shocked last night, to be honest, because, like, if you're just – we've heard all year and last year, like, you know, they keep talking about non-conference games and, and Power 5 wins, and, and the resume is obviously there. I was shocked that they blatantly disregarded and dismissed that, that Texas win. I, I was That was ridiculous to me. Um, all right, so I, I joked around with Connor about this the other day. And when I say joked, I mean lashed out irrationally because every question that was in here was mainly about LSU. And, I, you know, I, I feel like both teams are, are deserving of some, uh, some publicity here and, and some press. 
So we're going to switch gears uh, to Bama here. Everyone talks about this offense for LSU, and, and deservingly so. But tell me the concerns you have on defense, considering you know that's a defense that gave up over 570 yards last year with an injured Tua. Um, and then this year, the statistic, or, you know, Bama's offense is statistically better. What concerns you the most about the defense? Oh, obviously, when you look at this this matchup, Alabama's got so many different weapons. They have four receivers. They have the the running back that we've talked about, and and Tua Tagovailoa, eighty five percent is as good as almost anybody in the country. So there's there's a lot of matchups that that if you're an LSU defensive coordinator, you better be paying attention to. And the number one is who's in the slot for you defending one of those really talented receivers, and what does Alabama do? Who do they put in that slot? Because college football back in the day, as y'all know. The slot receiver was not your best receiver. He was a possession guy. He was the guy that was going to go over the middle when nobody else wanted to on third and Doring. try to target him. Yeah, CD. <laughs> hey, hey, my, my guy CD holds SEC records. i got to defend him. I, I've always got to defend him with PV as well. That's but true. No, you, right. You, you're going to have you're gonna have your defendable guy, not necessarily your superstar. That's changed. Justin Jefferson moved from outside to the slot for LSU this year. Alabama's got multiple guys they can throw into the slot. You can see – all of them. I mean, Smith, Judy, all of them could end up in the slot, right? And so that's the matchup. And really the matchup for both teams. Kerry Vincent has got to have his best game of the year. He's had moments in his LSU career. He struggled a little bit at the early part of the season, played much better. He will be challenged. Just like Carter for Alabama, their nickel corner, he will be challenged. That's the key matchup in this game. Look both sides of the football, look at special teams, look at everything we've talked about. It's that nickel corner against whatever receiver lines up in the slot. That's going to be a challenge. And so LSU's defense is really losing Michael Divinity. He wasn't a starter. He wasn't a base defense guy, first and second down. But he was a third down guy. He came and he led your team in sacks. He gave you a mismatch because he was that walk-around, joker, linebacker, whatever you want to call it, that would try to rush on offensive guards in space, rush on the center, line up on the edge and try to do some He's done some different things. And so you've got to find a replacement for him. He ain't playing on Saturday, probably not going to play the rest of this year, might not ever play again for LSU. So you've gone three games without him this year. So you have a little bit of a sample size. You know, who steps up in that position? Because you have to create pressure on Tua Tangabaloa. We know you can't allow him to sit back there in the pocket. He's so good in the pocket. His pocket presence is really outstanding. So, you know, does LSU find that replacement? And if they don't, well, how creative do they get on defense? How much do we see Grant Delpit, Jacoby Stevens coming off right. the slot? How much pressure do you bring with Patrick Queen and, and, and those guys up the middle of the defense? Because if you do that, if you bring the pressure from the middle of the defense, what do you have to do? Well, you have to trust Stingley and Fulton and Delpit and Stevens in man-to-man coverage, and that can be scary against Alabama. So, in my opinion, that's what you do. You're LSU. You've got midseason and preseason All-Americans all in your defensive backfield. You have to trust them. You can't be the counterpuncher in this matchup. You have to be the aggressor. You have to be the enforcer because Alabama is always going to try to be the enforcer. That's the mentality. LSU has had that mentality so far this year. It has to continue in Tuscaloosa defensively, in my opinion. So be aggressive. Allow your guys to play man coverage. Trust in them and bring some extra guys to make two uncomfortable. All right, Hester, let's hear it. Prediction time. Is this the year that the streak ends for LSU? <laughs> Look, I, I, I started on Sunday with my guy Barrett Salee and, and Lugs on ESPNU, and they kind of threw that question out there, and I wasn't necessarily ready for it. 
But as I reflect back on what I told them, I still believe in it. And this isn't a homer pick. This is just my gut feeling. I think it's LSU 31, Alabama 28. And I've picked Alabama to beat LSU in this eight-year streak. So it's not like I've gone LSU every single year. But LSU 31, 28. Because I just I feel like that's the right amount of points. I feel like, you know, making a play at the end of the game, LSU, Cage York, field goal kick in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. I can see uh, the streak finally ending. But um, it's going to be a fun game, man. It's going to be a different game. It's not going to be – this game is played in a phone booth and three out, three yards in a cloud of dust. Although, be still my heart. I love a three yards in a cloud of dust <laughs> game. It's not going to be that in Tuscaloosa. I'll be honest with you. And, and some people call me liar. I, I want to see everybody in this game. Everybody who's questionable, yeah. I want to see them in this matchup. I want to see Tua Tagovailoa. I want to see Delpit and Stingley back healthy after they've missed a couple practices. This is what college football is all about. It's about big-time matchups. Yeah. I'm still calling this game – one versus one, because in the AP and coaches poll, these teams were one and one. So I'm looking forward to having an outstanding college football game. I think it's going to be one for the ages. God, every time you answer Chills. these questions, it's just I, I, I just hope you're going to say something I don't like. And every time I'm disappointed. <laughs> um, no, I mean that's I think it's a really good pick. I honestly like, and you know, you don't have to defend. It's not a homework pick at all. I think I think the special teams thing. We're going to get you out of here in two-minute drill. Let me just vent about my panic, uh, you know, freaking out about the Bama special teams. <laughs> I think that I think that could be a huge, huge impact in the game, obviously. I mean, it, it was in the last game of the century, too. So, um, Anyway, before I start panic talking about the game anymore, let's get you out of here on two-minute drill. It's our rapid-fire question. Uh, we're going to put two minutes on the clock. We'll probably go over that. Are you ready? Uh, last time I screwed this up because I didn't watch The Office, and so I feel like I'm going to screw it up again. But yes, I'm ready. You know, honestly, those are your words um, and mine. So I'm just, you know, we're so disappointed in that. But <laughs> here we go. Um, first question: Favorite Halloween candy? Favorite Halloween candy would be Three Musketeers. Ooh. Okay. So, ooh, that's okay. I like that. Second question: Favorite character in The Office? Favorite episode of The Office? Favorite season of The Office? <laughs> No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Second question, go-to uh, yes, yes, karaoke yes. song. <laughs> go-to karaoke song would be Heartbreak Hotel by the legend Elvis Presley. Ooh, strong oh, answer. I like it. Um, okay, I threw this out there. I don't know if you're into gambling at all, but um, you know, I had a blast in Baton Rouge and NOLA. So favorite casino game? Oh, blackjack all day. Now, we'll go to the Ooh. roulette table every, every once and again if I'm feeling lucky. True story. With Philip Rivers, when Reading, England, playing the Saints over in London, he says, "Put it all on black 17." I put it on 17. It hit. It was a big winner. We had a good time that night. Hester, this is the content I'm here for. Mm-hmm. Yes, like that. Um, all right. Fourth <laughs> question. <laughs> Just pivoting right here. Uh, best '90s kids movie of all time. Uh, Sandlot. Okay, that's oh, a good pick. That's a good pick. I was going to say Little Giants, but that's pretty much the same thing. That's a really good pick. Um, okay, I know you are old school when it comes to your taste in music. I love it. It's very, very unique and eclectic. But what is the one rap song you know all the words to? Regulators 1G. Okay, that was, yeah, that's, that was impressive. Um, all right, sixth question. If there's one thing I could bribe you with, so you could come to Athens and I could go to Tuscaloosa, what would it be? There's literally nothing you own or you possess that could get me away from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. 
this weekend. I, look, Athens is an outstanding atmosphere, but I feel sorry for you because it ain't outstanding this weekend when you could be in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, it's, I mean, it it's only going to continue the self, self-loathing I've been doing, but that's, that's a very good answer. Um, seventh question, favorite Thanksgiving dish? Oh, here, here, here's, here's a tough question. Do I go with sweet potato casserole? Do I go with green bean casserole? Do I go with my right? white hash brown casserole? I mean, this, this, this is a hard-hitting stuff. I will say uh, the Hester's are bigger turkey fans than my in-laws, and so it's always a debate. Do we have ham or turkey for Thanksgiving? I'm like, oh. guys, they literally throw the turkey out there as a symbol of Thanksgiving. Ham is delicious. Right. Don't get me wrong. I love some swine, but turkey is the way to go. <laughs> Yeah, I would agree with that. Also, I mean, once you get tryptophan drunk, you just throw all three of those casseroles into one big thing on a plate. Just mix them all together. Good point. Oh, by the end of the night, your your Thanksgiving plate is is literally making out with each other. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) That's a very good way to put that. (laughs) Um, All right, three questions left. What is more terrifying for Cajuns? Stopping to a tongue of Iloa, pronouncing to a tongue of Iloa, or eating chicken without any seasoning? Uh, chicken without seasoning is a sin in South Louisiana, so you shouldn't even bring that up. But I will say, by Loa, went, went, whenever he really burst onto the scene, I was doing radio, and my partner at the time didn't feel comfortable pronouncing it, so he called him the Flying Hawaiian for literally a year. <laughs> That's Shane Victorino. You can't do that. You can't steal that. Connor. Hey, hey, I reminded him that all the time. I was like, call him Jimmy Snooker or something. I mean, if you're going to throw a nickname out there. Jeez. That's yeah. That's okay. That's fair. Um, because they're big Shane Victorino fans. All right, two questions left. What's the <laughs> one thing you would add if you could add anything? What's the one thing you would add to the LSU locker room? It's already awesome. Ooh, one thing I would add to the LSU locker room. I, I wish there used to be a steam room. There used to be a steam room in the LSU locker room. And as I was an older player, not a younger player, no MIPs here. You know, if you had a couple of adult cocktails, you could sweat them out in a steam room. Ooh, that sounds nice. That's a really good idea. They should bring that back. I was going to say bouncy house. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's also it's a more <laughs> hey, adult, got, adult answer. Children. we got plenty of bouncy houses here at the house. Hester, I literally rented a boxing bouncy house for my 32nd birthday. So we are, you know what? You've, you've made up for all the office stuff. Last question. Friendly bet. We got to do something. If Bama wins, you have to sing Dixieland Delight next time we have you in the podcast. But if LSU wins... I will proudly wear whatever Shreveport three one eight three one great shirt or hat you can find. Oh, okay. So if we win, I will sing a bar from Dixieland Delight. And if if LSU wins, I'm going hat, shirt, maybe even boxers that say three one eight three one great. As long as I don't have to go in the actual like city limits. Yes, I'm totally down for that. And we'll, we'll sing we'll it with you. We'll sing Dixieland really Delight in the city limits. That's a whole conversation. Still true, yeah. It's <laughs> also fair. Hester, this is really good. You, you made up for the, the office thing from last time. I'm going to add this up real quick. Yeah, it's 169 points. It's a good round. It's a very nice. good round. Nice round. Okay, wow. good. I feel, I, feel better. I feel better about my showing in the two-minute drill. And my wife literally the other day asked me, why haven't we watched The Office? Literally everybody talks about it. I said, it's a yes. great point. We need to start getting into it. So this summer, that's when we binge our shows. We'll get into the office, and I will come back on, and I will have much better takes. Yes. Oh, I love, love it. it. I love it. 
Well, we will do it again. I'm sure we'll have you on even before then. Hester, uh, enjoy the trip to Tuscaloosa. We wish we could be there with you this weekend. We know it's going to be an awesome game. Uh, best of luck to, to, to you know, everything that you got going. You're doing like a million things now. It's hard yeah. to keep track of all that you got on your plate. But love having you on. We'll do it again real soon. Absolutely, guys. And if y'all get a FaceTime from a 318 number this weekend, it's me from Tuscaloosa <laughs> rubbing it in. It's not the Shreveport City Police. Okay, that's fair. I'll pick that up. I'll pick that up, Hess. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Thanks, man. Take fair it enough. Easy. Anytime, guys. Thank you. Appreciate Hester for coming on. As always, what a life that guy lives, man. What what a life. Yeah, for I'm, I'm I'm severely jealous of the. I, I was gonna tell him that just getting to see Baton Rouge, getting to see like what he kind of gets to do on a day to day basis, and kind of you know his role within the the LSU you know the program and all that stuff, and getting to do all of his local radio stuff, all of that. Play Papa Shot and walk ons all the time. Oh, that'd be a great life. Mm, that'd life. be a very good life. Fourth and wrong, let's do it. All right, we'll breeze through these guys. Thank you for just bearing with us and all the numbers from this week. But here is one last set of numbers. Fourth and wrong, we have five questions for you today. But uh, first one, how many days can you wear jeans in a row without washing them? It's from Brett Myers. I'm going to say four is the max, depending on what you do in them. Yeah. If you do anything that requires any sort of physical activity, you're sweating, walking significantly, yeah. then I'd probably, you got to ditch those after you wear them that time. But if you're just wearing them casually, showing up to the office, something like that, I used to do that in high school all the time. Just get a pair of jeans, wear them for the week, wear a different pair of jeans next week. Unless they're, you know, they're, they've got some big, like something that separates them. If, you know, you can't wear those jeans every day because yeah. then people would be like, didn't you wear those yesterday? But regular pair of jeans, you're yeah, usually like fine to wear jeans those. Or like... No, I'm not saying me personally. Yeah. I'm saying people who do wear those types of jeans. I, I was, it's always, I hate. Jinkos. Like, peop- no. <laughs> <laughs> I always hate like the bedazzled, like, like Kohl's jeans. Like people that like, I, I don't know, like Florida Georgia Line jeans. That's, that always grosses me out. Um, I'm big into only having like, I'll find like one favorite set of like a shirt or like obviously this Under Armour thing or the We're jeans. both wearing Under Armour quarter zips right now. I didn't even point that out earlier. High five, bro. That's what I mean, go. if you would have brought it up, I would have just told you a stat about Under Armour and how many quarter zips they make a year. <laughs> um, anyway, so I I only have one pair. I only brought one pair of jeans to, to Baton Rouge, and that rain was not good. Risky. By the time It was Risky. such a bad decision. By the time I got on that plane on Sunday, I honestly was like, I'm just going to throw my pants out. I can't do this. This is terrible. If you are traveling and you bring less than one pair of pants. Well, I had more than one pair man. of pants, but the other ones were dry fit and it was raining. Nobody needs that. Mm-hmm. Um, wait, so I'll say I'll say three because I'm a sweater. It's whatever. Um, all right. This is from Robert E. Lee III. He had a lot of good ones this week. What's the worst Thanksgiving side dish and the best? Not big on the cranberry sauce. That's never Why been is that my a thing? thing? Not, not it's really not a sauce if it's that. a gelatin. Yeah, not big into the sweet potato casserole. Not the, the, the sweets that are part of the meal on Thanksgiving, in my opinion, are not great. Yeah, I like my sweets pie. afterwards. Give me, uh, no, I'll, I'll eat pumpkin pie, like apple pie, whatever, pecan pie, something yeah. like that. I'm, I'm good. But the, the, the sweets in the meal on Thanksgiving, I don't think are that good. Best side dish? I'm gonna. This isn't really a side dish. It's just a thing you can pick up at the grocery store, and I don't care who knows this, but I could eat these so by excited. the handful. It's Hawaiian rolls, man. You know. Oh I yeah, love that's rolls. that's a strong move. I'm also just I picturing you just like right walking around with like a, a sack full of Hawaiian rolls at, at Thanksgiving. These are mine. <laughs> yep. Um. So when you say sweet potato casserole, is that the one with the 
I don't know what a souffle is. Yeah, that's the worst. Yeah, that's hands yeah. down the worst. We have to make that for my sister every year. I I, I tell her she's adopted. <sighs> um, so <laughs> um, I'm kidding, but like I, I love sweet potato casserole along with like the pecans on top. Green bean casserole is clearly number one. I like green bean casserole too. Yeah. green bean casserole is really good. I, I, I'll go with you though on the cranberry. I've never understood that. Man, it comes straight from really the can. The like everything yeah, else on why? Thanksgiving takes time to like prepare and like it's like showing off all this this like cooking skills and that's like hey you get that can out of the pantry we're gonna put it on all the stuff we just took eight hours to make yeah like you got a turkey that's been you know you put eight hours into making why are right. you just gonna pop a can open and stick it right next to it that's the no. worst um okay uh third question from tiffany Canada, the one i thought was the punter for uga what's the oh, most yeah. inventive way of ridding your thanksgiving day plate of something that tastes really awful and that's why Hawaiian rolls are the best. Oh, side. That's so because smart. you put you put anything in Hawaiian rolls and they're good. I got Hawaiian rolls right now to prepare for Thanksgiving because one of my New Year's resolutions was to eat Hawaiian rolls on non-holidays and I've been slipping. It was a New my father-in-law sent me a text. It was. My father-in-law sent me a text last week. He said, "How has your Hawaiian roll consumption been? You were going to set this goal for yourself." And I'm like, "You know what?" I've fallen off the wagon. I need to get back on it. Went and got myself some Hawaiian rolls. I've been eating them all week with random meals here and there. Meals that leftovers that aren't even that good, but you stick Hawaiian rolls with them, you're good to go. Uh, so I, I joke around a lot, and I give you a lot of uh, crap. I've never been more proud of anything you've ever said on this podcast. I'm not exaggerating. I've never been more proud of anything you said. I thought the Bama thing was tough, so that, that was good. Um, you just carrying around a bunch of loaf of bread. Crazy. Um, gotta do what you gotta do so for me I think holidays are a time that you can just say uh, all the things that you hate about your family so I just will tell them I just like you know what this is not good this is terrible why why do you keep making corn casserole mom it's terrible it's not a thing it's not a thing corn casserole is not a thing you know like yeah exactly so um, I'll just be upfront about it because it's always fun to have some fireworks and also usually Thanksgiving is at our house it's like y'all just leave you know what yeah I didn't like Whatever you brought over here, Karen. Time to go. Why is it always Karen? Poor Karen. I don't even have a Karen. Um, okay, this is also from Robert E. Lee the third. This is more my speed. Favorite wrestler of all time. Originally, when I first so I I kind of went through the the phase that a lot of people from my generation did. I think I started watching wrestling when I was like eight. I watched it until I was ten or something. Um, but I originally liked Triple H because he wore a lot of green. Yeah, sorry, I was a third grader, not old enough to make my own decisions, and I just liked colors. Sue me. I transitioned into The Rock. I liked The Rock. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's the people's champ back in the day. People's elbow is something that I did many, many times on my brother, some of which were fake, some of which were real. Yeah. But The Rock is iconic, and I know he's kind of main, he's, he's mainstream as it gets now and all that stuff, but The Rock was the man back in the day, like he 20 really years ago. He's awesome. Yeah. Um, that's a strong answer. I like that. I, oh man, it's always weird because like I, I've told you before, my dad used to work out at the same gym as all of these guys. Like Sick brag, yeah, I remember. So like I would just be like waiting and like waiting room and be like, I'm the Raven. I'm like, don't talk to me like that, sir. You have a real name. Sting. Sting is my, like, like not creepy Sting, not like the crow Sting where he's like up in the rafters with a bat for some reason. What's non-creepy Sting? He Like when he first came up, he had like, a ridiculous, like, frosted tip, spiked up hair, and had, like, these, like, neon... It was, like, a, a the WCW version of, like, the Ultimate Warrior, kind of. He had, like, face paint, and it was always neon. He was, like, he was just super cool and fun. And then he... I don't know what happened or who hurt him, 
But then they were like, also, that conversation, I'd be pretty pissed. Like, I have a great job, but if our boss tomorrow was like, listen, we're going to transition you into only standing in the rafters of these arenas moving forward. I don't know if I would keep that job. Like, this is... I'm afraid of heights. Yeah. I wouldn't keep that job. Sting's not afraid of anything. That's too much. That's terrifying. Yeah. Yep. Um, let's see here. All right, last one from Marshall Perkins. What do you both geek out on besides football? The nerdiest thing I do... Ah, there's a couple things. There's a couple things that's, that's pretty nerdy. The bowling league is nerdy. I've gotten into a little bit of learning about oil patterns and stuff oh like that. God. I avoid the scorpion oil pattern. Not ideal. Um... That's pretty nerdy in me. I'm a big cloud guy. My wife was talking about me starting a... She's talk... I kid you not. She is, she is talking to me about starting a cloud blog where I just take pictures on Instagram and post different clouds that I like. That was going to be an off-season activity that I got really close oh to doing. And then I thought, you know what? What was the you know blog going to be about? Actually... It was going to be cloud guy. Just, that, was, that was the name of it? I'll help you with a better name Cloud Guy. Cloud Guy? I mean, it was, I was going to have the Instagram account, and then I was going to have the, the, the blog where I, I would take pictures and write about the instances in which I saw these clouds. You get a lot of good clouds off the coast here. I'm very into clouds. Cirrostratic. Connor. Cumulonimbus. I thought we hit a low with the bell choir thing. For, not a low for you, but I'm saying the low for me not having oh, things bell in choir's common. Oh, bell choir is pretty dirty, too. Yeah, I yeah. was surprised that wasn't list. I mean, I'll make a power rankings for next week. Um, okay, that's fine. <laughs> so for I think for me, the, the, that is one of the best sentences you've ever said. Big cloud guys. <laughs> um, for me, like I'm gambling doesn't count. I just think I, I no. love like the like the fascinating part of like especially like in like the busy time of sports season. It just that kind of stuff like always like like numbers and stuff, stats and info. I can tell. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, so I, I love uh, really crappy sci-fi movies. Like, not like, I don't like sci-fi, like Star Trek and stuff like that, but like, like Anaconda 4 or, um, what's a good example, uh, Lake Placid 3. Like when they've like, they oh, still cool. haven't given up and for some reason they're still making them, but they're, like they're sci-fi original movies. Ice Spiders, that's a classic. It's a really good one. Um, I've heard of that. It, yeah, I mean, there's no reason to. It's, it's terrible. But uh, <laughs> like, it's like that and like documentaries too also, actually learning stuff. And, and, uh, and comedy, I, I really... Like like writing, I guess. Not performing as much anymore because I just don't. I don't prepare as, as much for comedy as I do for this, and it has shown sometimes. You have prepared a lot for this. Killed it I today. Killed it. Goodness gracious. Oh yeah, and yeah. Documentaries. That's a good one. Documentaries and then conspiracy theory stuff. I talked about Ooh. that over the summer. That conspiracy theory book that I was reading. Very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Is it about clouds? It was not. There's no conspiracies about clouds. Clouds are <laughs> that's a perfectly deep. real thing. When we were riding to, when I, I was on the plane, I had a window seat um, to to New Orleans, and I was I was sitting in some clouds that were just perfect right off the Gulf right there, and I was like, these would be perfect for the blog. These would be so good. Start your blog, man. Uh, it'll be an off-season project if I get some support and momentum and I don't get bullied for it. Let us know when you start that, and I'll make sure <laughs> we can get all the burner accounts set up. All right. It might mean too much. I don't know if you saw this. Coach O said that his dad wouldn't allow Bear Bryant, yeah, E. Bear Bryant. Good move. To come, he wouldn't allow him to come to their house for a recruiting visit. That's amazing. Coach O obviously ended up at LSU. He transferred to Northwestern State. But his dad said, nope, you are not going to Alabama. I don't want Bear Bryant to walk through this door. He turned down the bear. That is, That's amazing. That is, it's something. It is definitely something. 
can you can you imagine like actually having that phone conversation with somebody of his stature? That's 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 the amazing thing. Yeah. Because we hear something like that and we think, ah, oh, yeah, two voices and go to Alabama. Yeah. And those two voices. Who can like, have a deeper voice? Like? Yeah. Uh, that that to me would would just be such a difficult thing to do. I always thought, you know, I went to I went to Indiana, telling Bob Knight, "Hey, I'm not going to your school, and you're not even going to come to my house on a visit." Having that type of conversation, I imagine that's kind of on par with doing it with Bear. Bryant. Yeah, I don't know if Orgeron would have played or anything like that, but I'd be pretty pissed at Dad on this one because that would be a pretty big opportunity. He went to LSU though. I mean, he ended out. up at Northwestern State. Eh, yeah, it didn't work out, but. Um, Still, I think that having that conversation, if we could go back and just get audio of that, would be very good. Yeah, have it narrated by Morgan Freeman. It would be fantastic. <laughs> we've got a couple, uh, three five-star reviews. Let's, that we let's hold off on those. We've, we've done enough to these people today. Eh, okay. That's, that's right, my we'll fault. We'll I wasn't, I mean, that's on we'll me. We'll save the five-star reviews. We will save them for a time in which we don't have a two-hour podcast. That's okay, though. Well, Marlo doesn't have eight million sheets of paper to justify all of his picks. You're welcome, hey, guys. We're more prepared. You did all your research for your Saturday morning. Are we going to do Saturday yeah. morning Facebook Live before we head? Well, that's like I was so bummed, and I, I I definitely overcompensated for it. But I was just so bummed, like we were in, you know, in Baton Rouge. Like it was a lot of fun, but like there was so many things we couldn't do, like that I like I do every week. And so I just, I'm, you know, trying to trying to get back to it. We will get back to it. I will be there in Atlanta flying in Friday morning. Should be a really, really fun weekend. Looking forward to getting the full Athens experience. It's going to be awesome. God, you're going to have to put uh, up reach out so to much us. stuff in this new house. You're going to get in so early. I'm going to put you to work. Yes. I'm excited. Hey, I'm ready to rake some leaves, man. Yes. leaves here. I'm ready. I'm ready. Seriously, put me to work. There's just so many clouds outside, too. You'll love it. I'm pumped. Reach out to us on our Facebook group if you are going to be at the Mizzou-Georgia game. We'd love to be able to meet up with, with some of you. We're going to be... Marler always has stickers that he's just handing out anyways. I'm not sure if you have stickers or not, but whatever. Just come up to us, and we'll give you a mental sticker and just give us, a, <laughs> give us your address. We'll send you one. Side hug you don't want? Stickers. Yeah, give you some awkward side hug. No, but we're looking forward to hopefully seeing some of you guys there. Looking forward to this weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. Bama LSU, Marler's going to be at a different kind of state on Saturday night. I can say that with confidence. What state that will be, I do not know, but I am here for either one of them. It's going to be great. Marler slash Matt Luke. Awesome. All forms of social media, by the way, at the SCS pod, at Fred Funquist, at CJ O'Gara on Twitter. Coach Luke, what do we need to remember this weekend when we play teams like New Mexico State? Roll time. Matt Luke. Thank you. Talk to you guys later.